0: like shopping online, but searching for coupon codes is kind of a bummer. So make saving online a breeze with Capital One Shopping. Capital One Shopping is a free tool that instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Just download Capital One Shopping to your
1: computer and let it do the work for you. So easy and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. You guys, it's time to talk about the holidays and Baked by Melissa makes the most delicious bite-sized little cupcakes and they come in these new holiday flavors BakedByMelissa.com Go there, pick them out. They're adorable and delicious. They come in crazy flavors like gooey
0: caramel hot cocoa, candy cane My kids' favorite are the snowball Baked by Melissa ships nationwide and their cupcakes make perfect gifts for everyone on your list this year. Go to BakedByMelissa.com to shop their new holiday collection now. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office rewatch podcast just for you.
1: Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office ladies. Hello, Pam Sass. I'm wearing my Pam Sass shirt, and I'm loving it. It is so stinking cute. I can't wait to get mine. They're really cute, and I they're a conversation starter because I parked in the parking lot here at Airwolf, and as I was walking in, a guy, by the way, it was uh 10.50 a.m., a guy had a cocktail in his hand and said, what, what party are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I was like he was in fluorescent yellow shorts with a white t-shirt and I was like um I'm what? Is it cuz of my is it cuz of my PAMSAS shirt you think I'm going to a
0: party? I'm pretty sure it had absolutely nothing to do with your shirt <laughs> that you could have been dressed in literally anything. This is 100% about him mm-hmm. and his shorts and his cocktail before 11. Yeah. Well, he's he's, he's doing it. All right. Today is Dunder Mifflin Infinity Part 1. Mm-hmm. This is Season 4, Episode 3. This is another one of our one-hour shows that was meant to kick off Season 4. We're dividing it into two parts. This episode was written by Michael Shore and it was directed by Craig Zisk. Yes. All right, Jenna, you're up. It's summary time. Here is a summary of what we are covering today. When Ryan tries to implement new ideas, like issuing everyone a BlackBerry and announcing the new Dunder Mifflin Infinity website, Michael feels he may be a victim of ageism. Jim and Pam's relationship goes public, and they are now forced to face the scrutiny of the entire staff. Meanwhile, Angela is going to give Dwight one more chance after his mercy killing of Sprinkles. Yup. All right. Fast fact number one. Like I said, this episode was directed by Craig Zisk. He had been an executive producer on Weeds, The United States of Terra and The Larry Sanders Show, and more recently, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's directed a ton of television. He directed a bunch of episodes of Scrubs and movies. Do you remember, Craig?
1: I do remember Craig. And actually, when Craig came to direct, we had a little thing in common, which is I had worked with his brother, Randy Zisk, who's also a producer and director, and he had directed me on my episode of Monk. So when I saw Craig, we had we sort of like had this moment. He was like, hey, you were on my brother's show. And I was like, yes, how are you? Well, I had a little thing not in
0: common with Craig, but in adoration of him. Because when he was 25 years old, he was one of the producers of the television show Cop Rock. Do you remember Cop Rock, Angela? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. Okay. It came out in 1990. Okay. It was on ABC. It was Brace Yourself a musical comedy drama show about the LAPD. Oh, my gosh. There's so much happening. Okay. It was created by Stephen Botchko, who had also created the very famous Hill Street Blues. And basically, Angela, it was a cop show. Like, maybe imagine Law & Order if all of a sudden in the middle of the episode, they break into song. No. Yep. No. I, yep. Can't, I can't do it. Here is an audio clip from an episode. Oh, God. You know when they all gather in the room and, like, the lieutenant is like, here's what's on the docket today. Yeah. yeah. We got this happening and this happening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what he's doing at the top of this scene. Sam, will you play the clip?
1: Item last on the teletype, we still got the Franklin Avenue flasher. Okay, that's it. And hey, hey. Yeah. Let's
2: be careful out there Let's be careful out there
0: After 11 episodes. Oh, why? TV Guide ranked it number eight on its list of the 50 worst TV shows of all time in 2002. Wow. But it actually won two Emmy Awards for editing and outstanding achievement in music and lyrics. I want you to know I loved this show. I watched every episode. This is all we need to know about you, Jenna. It was like glee, but a cop show. It was brilliant. You can find it on
1: YouTube. It sounds like an SNL parody of like a cop show or something. That is amazing. I now have to go see just one. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have to see one where they're like, "We got the perp in the cell. We're gonna frisk him now." I think that's a song. I think there's. I got the perp. Frisk him up. Ooh, frisk him up. Frisk. Him that's up. a good one.
0: Frisk him up, frisk him up, frisk him up, frisk him down. What did you find? Is there a gun? Is there a knife? You Are gotta you just happy?
1: <laughs> the show really rates itself. Oh my gosh. Wow. I want you to be right. safe out there. You heard him. Be safe. Be safe. This is is now like a hybrid West Side Story cop rock. That's all I could picture in my mind. Oh, my Lord. Okay, that's amazing. And Craig worked on it? He was one of the producers.
0: Well, I'll bring us back with fast fact number two. Okay. This episode, Dunder Mifflin Infinity, aired in October of 2007. Mm-hmm. And also in October 2007
1: was a big office convention in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yes. And a whole bunch of us went. A huge group. I mean, it was like Greg went and Mike Schur and Jen Salata, a bunch of the writers and the cast. I think the whole entire cast was there um, except for you and Steve, right? And John. Everyone else went. Like the whole shebang.
0: I was not allowed to go because, remember, I shared last week about how I broke my back
1: yeah and I was
0: not cleared for plane travel at this time
1: I was I was super sad you weren't there I found some emails where we traded emails you're like please tell everyone I said hi but um it was a absolute blast Scranton was so much fun Scranton everyone there was great and then me and Craig and Brian went on the Today show with Al Roker Al Roker came to Scranton. And we did the Today Show from there with him. And it it, I mean, it was just a blast. I was so jealous. That looked like so much fun.
0: You guys did like a whole Q&A panel and like a meet and greet, right? And we did like
1: a concert. Like, there was a concert and a bunch of people from the office performed, like Craig and Melora. Like, everyone got up on stage. It was so much fun. Um, but, you know, lady, this this was something you and I both share because I was able to go to this convention. But then at the end of the show, there was another one, like a big rap party convention. And it was my daughter's birthday. So you went to that one. So I found all these emails, Jenna, where we sort of bookend this experience for each other because I went to one and you got to go to the other. Yeah, I remember that. I was so glad I got to go to that one
0: at the end of the show because yeah. I couldn't I couldn't like leave the experience of the office having never visited Scranton. I so know. I just remember I was really jealous that you got to go and I was bummed that I had to stay home. But, you know. Well, you
1: know, we've never gotten to go together and that's on my bucket list. When this podcast oh, yes. is done, I want you and I to go to Scranton. That's on my wish list. I want
0: you and I to go to Scranton and just anonymously sign up for the office tour. Oh, my God. And just show up and be like, take us on
1: the tour. Yes, to all the spots. I want to do it. Well, listen, there was something else going on during this time. I don't know if you remember, but we were on the cover of Entertainment Weekly magazine. We were? It came out October 5th, which was the day after this episode aired. And there were a few sets of couples, Steve and Melora as Jan and Michael were on one cover, and then Angela and Dwight were on one, and Jim and Pam, and then Ryan and Kelly, so you could pick which issue had the cover, but then we were all on the inside in this big group photo. I
0: remember doing that photo shoot.
1: I it know. was so fun. It was such a such a cool day and I couldn't believe it. Like I'd always, you know, picked up entertainment weekly. I loved television. It was like my dream to be on TV. And then to all of a sudden be on the cover and be in it with you guys. I, I couldn't even believe it. I have one framed. Well, this is what was happening
0: at this time, which was that the show was truly blowing up and We were on covers of magazines and it was so surreal. Early on, I tried to save every single mention of us or the show from any publication because I, it just felt so fleeting. And then at this time, it became, it became impossible. It was just constant and we were really out in the zeitgeist. Is that the right word?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the show was just really catching on. I'll tell you what, between my mom and my grandmother and my cousin Carol and my aunt Brenda, I think I have everything we were ever mentioned in because they saved everything and they would send it to me. Well,
0: speaking of being out in the world in a big way, fast fact number three, we got a lot of fan mail from people about the Dunder Mifflin Infinity website, and they wanted to know if it was real. Well, it was real and it went out into the world around this
1: exact same time as this episode. That is right. And we reached out to Joya Balfour. Joya, as you remember, Jenna, was part of the team at NBC.com. And you guys, networks were not doing digital content during this time. It's just something they didn't do. So NBC was really on the forefront. And I talked to Joya, and she was saying they were trying to find ways to sustain the fandom to keep fans engaged. And one of the things they did was they launched Dunder Mifflin Infinity.com. You could go on and play these games. There were virtual branches that fans could join. They could perform tasks that where they would earn shroot bucks. And then they could spend their shroot bucks on virtual items in sort of like the office. And they went around to all of our desks. They took pictures of the set so that they could actually buy virtual items. And this site ran for three years on NBC.com. And fans got signed items from the show. And also, if they submitted their artwork it would be displayed in episodes. Jenna, fan art was put around the set. So your art might make it into the show. It might end up on the refrigerator in the kitchen or on a bulletin board like by Creed and Meredith. And fans could look for their art if they won. Isn't that amazing? It's really incredible because
0: I just want to remind everyone, there was no Instagram. There were no apps back Mm -mm. then. Like this was really, really revolutionary in terms of that idea of, fan engagement, and getting to participate in some way actively
1: with your favorite show. Yes. And they even made a video. And actually, I have audio of it. Sam, can you play the video of DunderMifflinInfinity.com?
3: Do you like paper? Well, we like you. Dunder Mifflin is looking for bright, energetic paper people to open up their own branch and become part of the Dunder Mifflin family. Interested in your own future? Go to dunder dot com to find out more.
1: I love it! <laughs> Isn't that great? And I asked Joya who did that voiceover, and she said that's just a voiceover actor that they hired. She has a whole page on her website, joyabalfour.com, where you can look at Dunder Mifflin Infinity and what all they did with it. You can actually watch that video that we just played for you. And I told Joya, over the next few episodes, the next few seasons, I'm going to reach out to her, kind of like your Kentopedia, because I really started becoming a more active participant on NBC.com. I did a thing called Adventures with Angela. We had the Accountants webisodes. There were a lot more fun things we started to do, and I'm going to hit her up along the way. I love that. They should relaunch this. They should
0: relaunch under Mifflin Infinity as an app. I know, and you can do all these same things. Someone, Joya, I don't know who who does this. Peacock, get on it. Peacock, are you listening? Do this. Yeah. Well, lady, listen. I think we should take a break. Those were incredible fast facts. We are killing it today and giving us compliments. <laughs> But let's take a break and then we'll come back in and, and get into this episode.
1: Okay, great. Because I've got more details, lady. More details. I know I'm not Kintopedia, but maybe I'm Kinzipedia on this one. Kinseypedia after the break. Kinzipedia With Walmart Plus free shipping and no order minimum, you can go from forgot it to got it all season long. Need it? Don't sweat it. With Walmart
0: Plus Free Shipping, you get two-day and next-day shipping free with no order
1: minimum. With no order minimum from Walmart Plus Free Shipping, order as much as many times as you need. There's a huge assortment of eligible items and no $35 order minimum required. Walmart Plus Free Shipping and no order minimum has
0: your holiday season covered. Start your 15-day free trial today at walmart.com slash plus. Walmart Shipped Items Only excludes oversized and freight items. Restrictions apply.
1: If you think you may be depressed or you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help.
0: They can help with things like anxiety or loss,
1: relationship conflicts, even if you're just feeling stuck. So it's simple. You fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours.
0: And you schedule secure video chats or phone sessions. You also get unlimited messages, and you can really communicate with your therapist at your convenience in the comfort of your own home. Please. Be willing to take that first step. Ask for help. We've talked before about how much we believe in the power of therapy. I've gone to therapy for years, and
1: it really helps me. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code OFFICELADIES. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash OFFICELADIES. Talk to a therapist online and get help.
0: All right, we are back, and we open this episode in the break room where there is no more heartbreak. In fact, there is flirty-flirt cuteness in there. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's now called the flirt room. I think you're right. Jim and Pam. Pam has already gotten Jim a soda Mm -hmm. Hmm, because she knows what he likes because she's his girlfriend. And then she gives him a little peck, a little kiss as she's leaving. But Toby sees... Can we talk about Paul's expression? (laughs) We can.
1: I froze on his face. I was laughing so hard. its I don't even know what all it's conveying. It's conveying so many things at 20 seconds, Toby's face.
0: Well, Paul does some amazing reaction acting in this episode. If you are an actor and you would like to study great reactions, this is a real good one to study. Yeah. Well, what happens... After this is that Toby puts out a memo regarding PDA in the workplace and everyone's reading it.
1: And Jim and Pam are like, what is this about? Toby is so passive aggressive. He really is. He clearly has issue, but he's going to put out a memo. Come on,
0: Toby. Well, Michael thinks that the memo is about that night that he and Jan did some stuff in his office. But, I mean, he says almost everyone was gone
1: for the day. This is... This is ridiculous, Toby. Yeah. And then Angela thinks it might be about her and Dwight. So she yells from across the room and makes this big statement that she's never been intimate with anyone in the office. And that is when Toby says, no, no,
0: it was a complaint about Jim and Pam. And then he basically outs their relationship to the whole office.
1: I mean, Toby, this is twice now cuz he did this with Oscar and yeah. now with Jim and Pam he's announced that they're dating and everyone freaks out but no one no one freaks out more than Michael well Michael is giddy Michael doesn't even know what to do with himself and
0: Steve's performance is so sweet he is so genuinely excited that Jim and Pam are together he makes them hold hands and he makes a big declaration this day will go down in infamy.
1: He makes you guys hold hands. And then he really bear hugs Jim. And then he goes to hug you, but your phone starts ringing. And Pam's like, "Up, oh, like rescued by my phone. And he's like, no, no, Pam, let, let it ring. Let the bells of Dunder Mifflin chime out your love. But then he
0: has that really famous line that I've seen people write on their
1: graduation hats. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it like stitched on a pillow, on a graduation hat. It's it's so good. Say it, Ange. My heart soars with the eagle's nest. Incredible.
0: Now, we said this episode was written by Mike Schur, and that has to be a Mike Sure special right there.
1: It has to be. Now we see a series of talking heads. And Jenna, I was very curious about this, because you like to deep dive on positioning. Ooh, that sounds like that's what she that said.
0: That sounded different than I what I think you mean.
1: But <laughs> so go on. So- <laughs> As it was coming out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. Ah, that's what she said. That's what she said. So Dwight's talking head. He's like, I don't see it. I think they could do better. He is sitting in front of the wall and off of his left shoulder is the bullpen, right? Yep. Yep. Then it cuts to me and I say, I'm not surprised. Pam is the office mattress, which is such a great line. But I'm sitting in front of the window with the wall to my right shoulder.
0: Yeah, there's more wall and more window, depending on who's talking head it is. It's not always the exact same shot. I noticed that too.
1: And then it cuts to Andy, and he's framed the exact same way that Dwight was. And I realize I'm becoming one of the fans of the show where I'm like, "Mm, is there something there? But I'm like, this is an interesting um, love triangle that's about to play out. And this is a little bit of a Dwight... Angela, Andy, sandwich.
0: I don't think you are reading into it. I noticed the same thing. I feel like they purposely didn't set all the shots the same, and they also differentiated Angela from the two
1: men. Yeah. That can't be an accident. It can't be. All right. Well, now we're going to get into the episode, right? We have our opening credits, and the first scene is the party planning committee. They're setting up for Ryan's return. Phyllis and Angela are hanging a banner that says, welcome back, Ryan. Three minutes, 28 seconds, skin alert. What's a skin alert? Well, my sweater in this episode, I feel like the dry clean shrunk it, like it fit one day and then the next day it got a little tighter. And as I'm hanging the banner, you see like my midriff. Oh my gosh,
0: that's very out of character for Angela very scandalous.
1: It's scandalous.
0: Well, double skin alert, Kelly arrives. Mm -hmm. She is all zhuzhed up. She's like, oh, is
1: Ryan coming back today? I had no idea. She looks super cutie pie. She looks super cutie pie. We also in this scene have a list of that's what she says that Michael had ready to go. Oh, please, please read it. Here it is. Can you make that straighter? That job looks hard. You should put your mouth on that. You might want to trim it a little.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked it when he said, you might want to put your mouth on that. And Pam says, "How I don't understand how you were even planning to use that naturally. Yeah. And he was like, under his breath, he's like, if you if you were blowing
1: up balloons. I was just, I, I don't know. Just I, balloons. I had it ready. I was ready to go.
0: Well, now we have sort of a interesting little spy shot. We've got some black and white footage of the elevator bay, which is meant to be, I guess security camera footage.
1: Yeah, but they this is like something we don't do on the show. So it was jarring to me when I saw it again because I hadn't seen this episode in so long and I was like, "Whoa, what's up with the security camera footage?" Well, what was odd is that we
0: then switch to a spy shot from our regular documentary camera. Yeah. So it was a little bit, I I found it a little bit odd as well, but that's what that black and white footage is supposed to be. And the reason they're showing this is because Dwight and Angela have met in this elevator vestibule so that he can present her with a new cat, a feral barn cat. Feral? Feral. How do you say feral? Feral, feral. Tomato, feral Tomato, tomato. You say feral? Feral. A feral cat? A feral cat. Feral, feral. It's feral,
1: right? It's tomato tomato. Sam. Feral. <gasps> Sam sided with me. And Dwight says feral in the episode. But anyway, Jenna, <laughs> we'll just we'll just chunk that aside and let you say
4: feral. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listeners, do any of you say feral? Please
1: write us. All right. So yes, Dwight gives her garbage. And this poor cat, they put, like, stuff in its hair to make it look kind of grungy, like it had been eating garbage.
0: Well, we had a fan question from Rivka Wasserman. Did they gel the cat's hair before the shoot to make him look like more of a stray cat? Well, I reached out to Kim Ferry, and she said they did, that her memory is that the trainer had a little bit of honey. We had warned the trainer of this very well-trained, domesticated cat that we wanted it to look feral. And so they suggested something natural like honey to kind of rough up the cat's fur. And so that's what they used.
1: Yes, these trainers were so great with the cats. And obviously, honey isn't going to do anything, you know, that's just like organic. I do have amazing memories of this scene. I want you guys to know that this cat was crawling all over Rain, all over him.
0: Well, you can see it in the episode.
1: Like every shot, the cat is in a different position. It kept jumping out of his arms. And so we really had to sort of deliver the emotion of the scene, but get our lines out quickly because this thing was climbing off rain and wanted to go exploring the whole scene. (laughs) Well, my favorite
0: is the shot where it's like clearly crawling over his shoulder. And then one second later, he's holding it like a baby. Yeah. In his arms. Because amazing. Clearly
1: the cat was everywhere. The cat was everywhere. And the cat wranglers were like stepping in and being like, okay, here, try holding him this way. Try this. When the cat jumps out of Rain's arms at the end, that was like the easiest moment to film because it wanted it wanted to go explore.
0: Well, and a lot of people asked if this was the same cat that Andy gives you later that becomes bandit. I mean, it's. I wouldn't think it was meant to be the same cat. Like, I think what they're thinking is, oh, Dwight lets this cat go. And then years later, Andy finds
1: it again and calls it Bandit. Well, that would be hilarious. But that was never conveyed to us in the script. It's just that Andy wants to give Angela a cat. What I found interesting about that, and obviously we're going to get to that episode, is that Angela accepts the cat from Andy. Right. Yeah. But does not Mm -hmm. accept the cat from Dwight and does it right in front of Dwight to sort of, you know, just really drive the point home that he's not he's not her fella anymore.
0: Well, as a person who worked in animal rescue for years and years, I will tell you that I don't recommend giving pets as gifts because so many of the pets that are surrendered were gifts that people were not prepared to take care of in the long run or They break up or whatever happens. I just think people should pick their own pets. Or really what my mom always said is let the pet pick you. That's how you get your match. Yeah,
1: I like that. I definitely feel our pets picked us for sure.
0: Yeah, that's how we got sunny. We went into this rescue center because we were told that one of the volunteers was going to bring in this box of fluffy gray and white cats. They were so cute. They'd sent us pictures. My daughter was all excited. And we got there and the woman was running late. So they took us into a room with all of these adoptable cats and kittens. And this one little scrappy orange fellow would not leave us alone. I always say it was like he walked up to us and he was like, Hey, guys, what's up? Good to see you. My name's Sunny. Yeah. I'll be coming home with you. You can take a look at these uh, other guys if you want, but I will be your cat. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of how we got Sunny. He wouldn't leave us alone. Yeah. And we could never been happier. That was Biscuit. Biscuit just tried to hide in my sweatshirt. And I thought, well, you got to come home with me now. Exactly. My sweatshirt is your home. Well, listen, switching gears back to the show. Yeah, don't get us started on our, on our rescue pets. It, it, it'd be a huge <laughs> tangent.
0: Pam and Jim are going to go to Toby and offer to sign one of the famous love documents.
1: Yes, the relationship disclosure form. And Toby's like, you know what? Um, That's only for people who are serious. And he's sort of implying this isn't serious, right? Because, you know, Toby has his big crush on Pam. And so he's hoping this is casual. But Jenna, there's a great scene in the bloopers where at the end of the scene, Toby just tries to hold Pam's hand in front of Jim. And you guys couldn't get through it. You just start laughing. I remember trying to shoot that.
0: I don't think we ever got it. And that's why we never included it. But it was also just something we thought was so funny in the yeah. moment. It was like an improvisation that that Toby would slowly try to hold Pam's hand during this scene and <laughs> squeeze her hand.
1: Yeah. And Jim's like, mm, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, then ryan returns yes ryan with his new look and his love of blackberries walks in oh my god bj's performance is so good when
0: he's absorbed in his phone and pam's like hey ryan well he's like one second (laughs) and then like after he's done typing he puts it down and he's like hey
1: pam how's it going it was so good Well, you know, in this scene, I know what you guys are all really here to find out about is a sad plant alert. Oh, no. (laughs) Six minutes, seven seconds, sad plant. I think Pam now for sure the plants aren't going to have a chance because she's in love. Yeah, she doesn't have time for that. It's the tiniest little like two like green leaves sticking out
0: of the pot. It's like so tiny. Well, the thing that I remember about this scene, Angela, is when the character of Kevin runs up to Ryan and like ruffles his hair. He gives him a noogie. He like puts him in a headlock and gives him a noogie. Those guys could not get through that moment. Every time it would make BJ laugh. BJ thought it was so funny and he would break. And I remember we couldn't get through it.
1: And Brian too. I loved it when, when he's like fire guy and then Andy comes over and he's like fire guy. And Brian is Kevin. is like, you weren't here for that. <laughs> I know.
0: And then, and then Andy says, here for what? Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Well, we had a fan question from Lauren C. She wanted to know about Ryan's new look. You know, he's got the facial stubble. He's slicked his hair back. He's wearing a fancy suit. Lauren wants to know, was BJ told to grow facial hair for this season where he's the boss? Or did he just personally decide to grow some? Well, I texted BJ about this. He said this look was definitely not a personal choice. <laughs> he said he thinks it was a pitch by Gene and Lee. At first, the pitch was a goatee. But oh. Greg said no. He said it was too on the nose.
1: Yeah, goatee was too much. The whole look was very kind of like Gordon Gecko. you know, the movie Wall yes. Street. It was like, you know, Ryan thinks he's the king of New York now. Yes. BJ said that... um, He always just kind of rolled with pitches like
0: this. And then he said, case in point, the upcoming blonde hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan's going to go through a few looks before this whole thing is over.
1: Well, Ryan in the scene, though, really puts Michael in his place and everyone. He's like, hey, you know what? Enough. This is inappropriate and it stops right now. And the whole bullpen, it's like you could hear a pin drop. We're like, oh, my God. And then Michael has this fantastic talking head. I just loved it so much. He's like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe he spoke to me like that. But there was a twinkle in his eye. And that twinkle said, dude, we're friends. And you know me. And I'd never take you for granted in a million years. I miss you. I love you. (laughs) And then he's like, he goes on and on. He's like, his words, not mine. This episode, in addition to
0: having great facial expressions from Paul, has amazing Michael talking heads.
1: They're so good.
0: Well, now everyone's going to meet in the conference room so that Ryan can unveil his Dunder Mifflin Infinity program. I have to point
1: out something. First of all, where did the giant TV screen come from? It's not in there (laughs) when the party planning committee is setting up. Secondly, you might notice there's no more banner on the wall because there's a deleted scene where as they all come in. On the banner, Kelly has written, she's scratched out Ryan, and it says, welcome back, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael runs up to it and quickly rips it down so Ryan won't see it. That is amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, in this scene, Michael announces two pretty big things. Number one, all essential personnel will be receiving an office BlackBerry phone. And second... We are soon to be launching the Dunder Mifflin Infinity website that is going to streamline ordering. It's going to streamline efficiency.
1: These are his two big announcements. Yeah, he says the company is going to get younger and sleeker. And this starts a Creed storyline that is so fantastic. Creed played this so well. His reaction to the words younger, sleeker, he starts looking around (laughs) and then he goes up to Ryan at the end. He's like, when's this a new website launch and then he's like cool beans like he's trying to yeah be hip or something
0: well he runs into michael's office after the meeting and he's like you realize what this means right you me sammy phyllis the chick you hit with your car we're all goners who is sammy who is sammy
1: <laughs> who does creed think sammy is I don't know. Did he mean Stanley? Probably. Also, he has sat across from Meredith for years and couldn't think of her name. (laughs) It's incredible. It's just great. Well, he calls my character, Andrea, the office bitch. So, Sammy is probably Stanley. So, now we have a very cute scene back in the flirt room. The -hmm. flirt room, break room. Jim and Pam are eating lunch together and... Jim's like, I can't believe I you know, didn't tell you this. This is going to blow your mind. And he tells Pam that Dwight and Angela are dating. And Pam's like, um, yeah, I already knew that. It's been like a long time. Since before your barbecue, she says. Yeah. And then I love this. This next moment is just titled Phyllis Sass. Phyllis walks in and says, sorry, I didn't know you guys were in here. And Jim says, oh, we're we're just sitting here. And Phyllis goes, couldn't see your hands. What? What is she implying? First of all, she knew they were in there. OK, so she knew they were in there. She went to find Pam to tell her this information. Secondly, couldn't see your hands. Well, and then John does this
0: awesome move with his hands where he shows them to camera like they're so clearly right here. I loved that moment. That was a Krasinski special right there. No, it was perfect.
1: And then Phyllis, with a smile, sass with a smile, is like, you know, I'm glad you guys are dating, but Pam, when we get a new client, you have to just send it to, you know, the first available salesperson, not whoever you're sleeping with that week. That week! <laughs> that week! It's like Phyllis and Angela both are in cahoots this episode because Pam is the office mattress.
0: Well, Angela, I'm calling this a fan sass catch from Snea G., She points out the major Phyllis Sass as well, but she added this. According to Phyllis, Pam is in charge of assigning clients to salesmen randomly. Well, according to my husband, who's in a similar kind of office, this is a lot of power given to one person. That is not how the customers are typically assigned to salespeople. The assignment is based on the client's zip code or county to ensure that there is always a clear rule regarding this assignment. Well, I have to say, after college, before I moved to Los Angeles, I was the only receptionist slash administrative assistant at a small marine audio company in Missouri. Marine? And marine audio they made like water resistant waterproof stereo systems for boats thank you i needed clarity thank you you're welcome okay whenever we got a cold call Mm -hmm. for marine audio right Mm -hmm. i would just transfer them randomly to an available sales associate it was kind of my call wow yeah It didn't come up very often, but every once in a while, we would get a cold
1: call. Pam's job has this weird hierarchy. First of all, she has to ask Angela for petty cash. And then she has these sad plants and this candy that Angela expects her to put out. But now we find out she passes on clients to the sales department. Yeah. And she's Michael's secretary. It's very layered.
0: You know, I based a lot of my Pam stuff off of this job that I had at this Marine Audio place. It was about the same number of people as Dunder Mifflin. There was a warehouse where we shipped all the orders. And I was literally Pam. I made the coffee in the morning. I answered the phones. I did everyone's administrative work. Did you date anyone there? I did not. Smart. Yeah, I did not date anyone
1: at Marine Audio. Okay. Well, now we have a Jim talking head, and he says, that is why we waited so long to tell people. Did you notice Jim is facing the bullpen with his back to the outside? No. Because his future's in the bullpen. His future is Pam, and she's out there? Yeah.
0: He now has a future at Dunder Mifflin. Yes. In his mm -hmm. heart. It's very interesting. I know. I want to go back one second. Okay. Just one second. I have been wondering for several episodes now, out loud, when did Jim and Pam tell one another about their shared knowledge of Dwight and Angela? And it is finally revealed in this episode. It's right now at
1: work. What? Do we believe this? This took forever. No, I believe it because I think the beginning of them falling in love and finally getting to be together, it was so special to them. I mean, I just feel like they were really absorbed with one another. And now now they're at the point, they've been dating a few months where they're like, oh, by the way, did you know? You know what I mean? I think they're at that place. Hmm. I think they were sort of in that fog of love for a few weeks. I buy it. Hmm. You do not buy it. By your sassy, hmm, hmm. I think it would have been the first thing I would have said on our first dinner date. I don't think so. Hey, by the way, I don't think after years of loving this guy, the first time you're alone with him, he's like, wait, 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 I'll kiss you in a second. First, we need to talk about Toy twilight. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. All right. Well, now Michael and
0: Ryan are in Michael's office. Ryan is so busy typing on his blackberry. Do you remember at this time Rain and I both had blackberries in real life and we were Ryan? We were constantly on our blackberries. We were so annoying. I think Brian Baumgartner had one too. Excuse me, I had one. This we all had one. That's what you had.
1: You had a blackberry there were no smartphones. You had a BlackBerry and you did not take pictures with your phone, which is why you and I have so many photos, like old timey photos, because we would bring our cameras to the set and we would take pictures and then we would go to the mall to that kiosk and we would develop our photos. Yep, it's true. But we could now do emails at work. While we were standing between scenes because we had our Blackberries. Yes, and our thumbs were so fast. We got so good at it. And I was a holdout. I did not get the iPhone till way late because I was so attached to my Blackberry. I was the same. I
0: really resented the smartphone screen thing where I like pressed on the screen.
1: I was real into the like the tangible button thing. I kept on my phone for a long time when I finally got an iPhone. You know how you can choose the sound? So it goes click, 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 click. click, Yeah. Because I was attached to the sound. Well, Michael in this scene wants to
0: make sure that they're on the same page. It's business as usual. And Ryan is like, no, it's the opposite of business as usual. We're literally throwing out the old playbook. We're starting over. We want a younger, faster company. Which leads us into... Just an incredible talking head by Michael. Just incredible.
1: Yeah. he. I mean, they had a foreign exchange student that lived with him. And he said we called him my brother because he was. And then he went back to what was formerly Yugoslavia. And he took all of Michael's blue jeans. Yeah, Michael had to wear shorts all winter. Why, Jenna? Why? Why couldn't his mother buy him any replacement blue jeans for the winter? I don't know. But we had... Several people write in and wonder
0: if this is why Michael covets his blue jeans today and why he dry cleans them because of this traumatic event where this foreign exchange student stole
1: all his jeans. And his mother punished him by not letting him buy any new ones. But, yeah, he says that is what Ryan is like, a fake brother who steals your jeans. Well, Jenna... We should probably take a break. Before we do, I want you to know there was a deleted scene that would have happened in this area of the episode where Michael gets a message and he says to Pam, hey, um, can you put that in my BlackBerry? I'm too busy right now to input it. Will you put that in my BlackBerry? And he makes a big (laughs) speech. So it's like, I am using my BlackBerry. Pam, please enter that in my BlackBerry. And then there's a Pam talking head and she goes, um... Yeah, Michael doesn't know how to use his BlackBerry. And so when he says for me to put it in his BlackBerry, he means for me to write it on a Post-it and stick it on top of the BlackBerry. And then you see, you see his phone is covered. His BlackBerry is covered with all these little miniature Post-it note stickies. You would love that. I would love that.
0: (laughs) That's the best way to give you a message on your BlackBerry. I know. Just put a sticky on it. All right. Well, we'll take a break and we will be back with some kelly ryan drama
1: oh man kelly kelly's in rare form For many of us, the holidays will look different this year.
0: Family and friend reunions might not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from
1: feeling close. You can give your loved ones the most meaningful gift this year, and it's a chance to tell their story and share memories using StoryWorth. So here's what it is.
0: StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Every week, StoryWorth will email your family member a different story prompt, and they They will write back their story and then StoryWorth compiles them into a book that gets shipped to you for free after one year. I just think this is wonderful. Well, you know, Angela, we did this with my mom, and one of the prompts was about where she grew up. I found out my mom lived down the street
1: from John Goodman. <laughs> what How crazy is that? Well, I just think this is wonderful. You can give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com
0: slash office ladies, and you will get $10 off your first purchase. purchase. Purchase.
1: That's storyworth.com/slash office ladies for ten dollars off. Okay, Jenna, imagine this. You make a list of gifts that you're gonna buy for the holidays, and then someone randomly gives you the money to help buy one. Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Honey is doing. They're helping pay for one million dollars worth of gifts. You guys know, Honey, we've talked about it before. It is the search engine that automatically finds the promo codes online for you. Yes, and then
0: you get the savings when you go to your shopping cart. Well, now with Honey, you can also make a list of all the holiday gifts you want from certain stores, and Honey will email you when the price drops on anything on your list. Just add Honey to your computer. You create a free account, throw some holiday gifts on your drop list, and you will also get
1: a chance to win... Money to buy something on your list. Yes, no purchase necessary. You need a PayPal account to redeem the prize. Only valid in the U.S. Giveaway ends December 21st, 2020. Let me tell you some stuff that's in my drop
0: list. Let's hear it. A garden hose for my dad. There's this really cool garden hose and it like retracts. It's like like you don't have to wrestle with it. Uh Uh-huh. See, I think that hose is going to go on sale. So I'm looking for the little notice. Well, guys, you should go to Honey.com, make your gift list. You can get Honey for free
1: at joinhoney.com slash office ladies. That's joinhoney.com slash office ladies. So now we're in the annex and Kelly is telling Ryan, you know what? I am doing great. In fact, I am dating a lot of guys. And he's like, Kelly, and she's like, what? She's like so pissed. And of course, Toby... Toby is listening to the whole conversation. Well, then Kelly
0: says she's pregnant.
1: Yeah. And then she has a talking head where she just shakes her head now.
0: It made me laugh out loud. It was so funny. And
1: then, and then this is how she gets Ryan to go to dinner with her. He's like, okay. She's like, I'm keeping the baby. And he's like, let's just, I can't talk about this now. Let's go to dinner. And then she has a talking head where she's like, we have a date. Yes. Well, also in this conversation, Ryan says,
0: I did take our relationship seriously. Karen asked me out six months ago, and I said no. Oh, he's such a liar. He's such a liar. Well, this was a fan question from Hannah Carlson. Do we think Karen really asked Ryan out, or was he just saying that to make Kelly jealous?
1: No, he was trying to show Kelly how committed he was. The truth is, he hit on Karen and asked her out, and they talked about it in the bathroom In women's appreciation. That's right. It came up. Jim was like, yeah, she told me about that. So no, Ryan's being a big old liar right here. Well, we got a letter from
0: Renata in Brazil about the Ryan and Kelly relationship. Okay, Renata. She was very passionate about it. And here's what she had to say. Okay. She says, I love this episode so much, but I just need to make a comment about Kelly and Ryan's relationship and how relatable it can be and how it shouldn't be. I've met a lot of Ryans in my life, and ladies, it is not worth it. Mm. I just want to send some love to all of you and say that you deserve someone who's going to put your love on top. So I hope that this crazy relationship will teach you something about what not to accept because you deserve more. I don't know. Maybe someone out there needs to hear this. That's from Renata.
1: Renata, applause. You're right. You're absolutely right. Another thing going on during the scene is we quickly see Phyllis and Stanley trying to figure out the BlackBerry. And Jenna, if you go to 12 minutes, 41 seconds in the deep background, you can just see me surfing the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> scrolling through. I jot something down. I scroll through some more. I'm probably shopping. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, then we move
0: into Angela and Dwight having another one of their back-to-back conversations in the
1: kitchen. Yes. But do you know who we have to thank for this moment? Who? Pam. Why? In a deleted scene that would have come right before this, Pam is going to give Angela some advice. Sam, I'm going to play the clip. He tried to give me a new cat to replace Sprinkles. As if you could replace Sprinkles. He just has a hard
0: time expressing himself.
1: Well, it's really upsetting me. You probably noticed, but this last week, I've been a raging bitch.
4: Hmm.
1: What should I do? Look, there's a lot of good parts to this relationship, right? None of your business.
0: Right. Right. just try to focus on those. Why don't you guys go out to dinner tonight and talk about whatever you always talk about? Maybe
1: you're right. Yeah. I said maybe. So yes, Angela and Pam met at the elevators and Pam gives her this relationship advice. I am so sad that did not make it in. That was delightful. It was so fun. It was so fun. so Angela actually takes Pam's advice and is like, okay, there's something worth fighting for here. I'll ask him out to dinner and, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be able to forgive him and I'll start with this dinner. Well, Dwight offers
0: to make you dinner. He says he will cook you noodles and cauliflower with a side of baked potato. I want you to know, Angela. (laughs) (laughs) What? for whatever reason, this caused me to Google noodles and cauliflower.
1: I just saw it as like she loves her starches and she's a vegetarian. What'd you find? Noodles and
0: cauliflower is a very popular vegetarian dish. Oh. The New York Times cooking page had a recipe that looks so good. I think I'm going to make it. Oh, send it to me guys, Google noodles and cauliflower. Okay, it's it's a bonanza. It's (laughs) it's fantastic. I can't
1: wait. My Lord, who knew? Well, now we have what I think is such a deliciously tacky scene. It is a tacky (laughs) off, if you will, between Jan and Ryan. Oh, it's so good. He's like, well, you know, we should probably talk about the elephant in the room. I got your job. And she's like, didn't get my job, (laughs) not my salary, but you'll get there. And it's super tacky. And then Ryan says, Scranton suits you. And Jan says, best decision I ever made. Ryan says, you were let go. And then Jan goes, and she looks maniacal. She says, you know what? Love the beard. Keep it forever. And scratches his beard. And that makes him super insecure about his beard. (laughs) I thought it was amazing. Love the beard. Keep it forever. (laughs) Well, did you notice what she's wearing in this scene? It's a velour
0: jumpsuit, right? A juicy couture velour jumpsuit, which were all the rage at this time. Yeah, they said juicy across the butt. Do you remember that? Some of them did. Not all of them. But the zipper... For the hoodie, because it was a hoodie and pants set, the zipper, it had a little J as it's, what do you call that thing you hold in your thumb and finger to zipper? The zipper toggle? (laughs) Yeah. Is it called a zipper toggle?
1: (laughs) I don't know, but that's what I call it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was a J. I remember there was this really, really popular thing, which was that brides would change into A white juicy couture jumpsuit after the wedding some point during the reception and they would get it embroidered with like just married or like Mrs. whatever their new last Uh name is going to be and I might have done that when Lee and I got married I might have ordered one of these white but you didn't wear
1: it I was at your reception you never came out in your your little
0: jogging outfit well, Angela, there was like an after after party for the reception for everyone who stayed at the hotel. Oh. You left at a certain point. I left early. You, you were
1: annoyed with me a little bit, but I, I... was. I don't remember being annoyed. Well you, well, you just said, And you can't leave yet. And I was like, Jenna, because I, you know, I had a toddler. I was like, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. She's gonna wake up at the same time.
0: Were you there for the miniature burgers and fries? Because no. those came out at midnight, and I think that might have been why I wanted you to stay. There were also miniature shakes, because you know I like miniature foods. I know you do. No. I like it when you take a regular <laughs> burger and you just shrink it on down to baby size.
1: I know. Little fries, little fry containers, a little shake with a tiny straw. I left around 1030, and you were like... What? You left at 1030? 1030? <laughs> I had a young kid. Nothing had happened yet. I had a young kid. I had to get home. I had a sitter. I had a sitter who I said I'd be home by 11. And you said to me, you're like, Angela, we're going to watch the sun come up. And I don't know if you know this about yourself, but every once in a while, you're determined to party until sunrise. It's Yes. And I've done it a handful of times.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's always the best time. I don't do it too much. I keep it as like a special treat. Yeah, My wedding night was one of them. And around 2.30 in the morning, I changed into my white velour, juicy couture, custom embroidered, just married Mrs. Kirk jumpsuit.
1: Well, that's so cute. I want to see a picture of that. I did get a cute little jacket that I wore at the end of my wedding as I left that said Mrs. Snyder on the back. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that was a thing, and I didn't even know you did it. Oh, my God. Well, now you know. Now I know.
0: I'll show you pictures. Yeah, I want to see. Well, now Jan and Michael are having lunch, and Jan is going to explain ageism to Michael, which is just wonderful.
1: It's so good. And there is a deleted scene that they cut to where Michael says to Dwight, I need you to find out everything you can about something for me. Ready? It's called ageism write it down <laughs> and he's like I, I don't know what it is i need to find all the details i don't know if jan is just pranking me or if it's a real thing but i need you to find it all out i need you to do it in an hour
0: well michael has this great line where he's like wait are you saying that old people have the same rights as young people and jan's like yes yeah maybe. yeah like, yeah yeah So, fan catch from Sadie S. in this scene. Hi, Jenna and Angela. I'm Sadie. I'm 14, and I love The Office and your podcast. Thank you, Sadie. At 15 minutes, 10 seconds, when Michael is having lunch with Jan, it looks like Michael has a personal homemade salad dressing. It is on his desk in a jar with his face on it, a picture of a salad, and it says, Great Scott just like the production company of Threat Level Midnight. She said, I couldn't
1: stop laughing when I noticed this. Who thought to make this prop? Oh, Sadie, you and I are on the same page. I have a post-it note. 15 minutes, 10 seconds. I put salad dressing. I think it's a callback from the Fun Run episode. But wasn't that a deleted scene? Yes. So guys, there's a deleted scene and it's so good. It's in Fun Run. Michael has this talking head where he's talking about his charity for rabies. And he says, look, it's struggling. And he says, what do I look like, Paul Newman? And then he goes, actually, that's not a bad example because people have told me I look like Paul Newman. You know, it's the eyes and the face. And he said, also, I make my own salad dressing. He mixes Newman's ranch with Newman's Italian and sells it at a flea market for a loss. He could make a profit on it if he changed one of the ingredients to wishbone, but he won't do it. That is incredible. So I think that is his mixture of Newman's Ranch and Newman's Italian. Well, what I like to think
0: is that, you know, once something has been established on the show, we like to track it. They're eating a salad. So, of course, they're going to put his salad dressing out. I bet when we film this episode, we didn't yet know that that was going to be cut out from Fun
1: Run. Because they were still in post-production on it. And that's why the salad dressing remains. Yeah, that's right. I totally believe that. And you guys, as they continue talking and eating their salad, I want you to know at 15 minutes, 50 seconds, I think Steve, as an actor, makes a very bold choice. The broccoli? He eats a piece of broccoli. I mean, you can't talk after that. It's a good thing the scene ended. (laughs) That would have taken a long time to chew. And I feel like I see a moment, not Michael Scott, I see Steve Carell go, oh, crap, I just put this piece of broccoli <laughs> in my mouth.
0: I think you're right. I do, too. I think you see a moment of regret.
1: hmm Well, now, Angela, someone enters the office with jet black hair. We don't know who because the camera is tracking him behind his head through the office. And it is revealed to be Creed.
0: He but, wants you to know he's only 30. <laughs> I mean, well, he'll, in November, he'll be 30. He'll be 30. Yeah. Yeah. In November. We got a lot of fan questions about this. Charlia G., Catherine Otto, Kelly Hendricks, Andrea V., and Julie Brown all asked, Did Creed really dye his
1: hair for this episode? Well, we texted Creed. We did. We had a delightful text thread with him yesterday. (laughs) It was so funny. I know. Well, he said that it was a vegetable dye that washed out
0: completely no problem. But he suggested that we tell you all that it was a permanent dye that caused all of his hair to fall out so that he could possibly use this as evidence to sue (laughs) Jim Ferry, who would then countersue him for libel. And I was like, you're turning our
1: podcast into a courtroom thriller. I think Creed yesterday was really tickled because he had a whole text thread with us where he went on and on about his different ideas of, of like a better story of how they dyed his hair. Yes. He was having a good time texting us. But the truth was, it was just a washout vegetable dye. Sorry, Creed. And of course, we find out in this conference room scene that Creed used all the ink from the printer. <laughs> yeah, He put the printer ink. There is a deleted scene, Jenna, where he has a mirror and he's filling in the spots he missed with a black Sharpie. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, we might have to start a different text thread with him about that black Sharpie yeah. deleted scene because I need to know more. By the way, we not only had a text thread with Creed yesterday, just the three of us, we also had a lot of activity on our group office text thread. We were in like all texting each other up a storm.
1: Yes. And I had a separate text thread with just the accountants going. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) We were text happy as a cast yesterday. I guess we were. Well, like
0: Angela said, everyone is gathered in the conference room. Ryan enters to do his BlackBerry tutorial, but Michael tells Ryan, I'm sorry, this is still my office. Have a seat. I could not believe that Ryan entertained this. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he saw the pictures on the wall. Yeah. He was like, oh, Michael, here we go. Here we go. It's the lady from Titanic.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The Where's the Beef lady. Yeah. And then the picture from Big where they're dancing on the keyboard. Yes. And then the last one is Ben
0: Kingsley. Yeah. And this is when Pam is like, why did you reuse the old photos? And Michael says, because the ink ran out of the printer.
1: Yeah. And Creed kind of is like, there's like. But then all of a
0: sudden, someone enters the room, just as Ryan has had enough. In walks Robert Dunder, one of the founders of Dunder Mifflin.
1: How fantastic was that scene with him? It was so good. Oh, man. I I rewatched it like a few times because he's so perfect. His delivery is spot on. Well, Robert Dunder was played
0: by this actor named John Engel. And this is the only episode that Robert Dunder appears in. But John Engel starred on General Hospital. He played patriarch Edward Quartermain. From 1993 to 2012, he did 485 episodes of General Hospital. Wow. He also did a ton of other television work. He was also an acting teacher at Beverly Hills High School from 1964 to 1985. And listen to who he taught while he was a teacher there. He taught Nicholas Cage, Albert Brooks, Swoozy Kurtz. David Schwimmer, and Jonathan Silverman, among others. He was also an active volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. He had five daughters, and he passed away in 2012.
1: Well, we were so fortunate to have him. He was such a seasoned actor and so, so delightful. And I love the scene. He goes on this very, very long, meandering story but the way he connects it all is so real and organic. And you guys, we have been there. We have all been there at that, you know, family gathering where someone gets up to talk and you're like, What what are we what are we, what are you talking about? Yeah, you
0: ask some innocent question like, Oh my gosh, where'd you get your sweater? And they're like, Well, it was three years ago. And it was raining that day.
1: I remember. I remember because I just got my hair done and they gave me a plastic net to put over it. Yes. And my friend Cynthia called mm-hmm. and she said, Well, you, you know, you- Cynthia, she had lived abroad. And when she came back, she divorced and married that younger guy. Well, she did. But first,
0: remember, she had that period of time Mm -hmm. where she went on that
1: sex sabbatical she did that's right about when she got that mole removed do you remember her dermatologist he was such a nice guy of course tall guy tall tall guy tall and had an accent yeah but i could never figure out where he was from Mm -hmm. yeah he made a very good dip and you're like what You're like, where's the sweater from? Where's the the sweater? What did we just... Jenna and I just completely improvised this random conversation. But you guys know you've been in this moment. Yeah. That was (laughs) Robert Dunder. And so Michael throws him out. Wait, can we also... Sorry, this is hopping around. Can we also talk about how Michael introduces Robert to everyone? Please. He says, who is this worthless bag of bones? (laughs) That's his introduction to
0: the founder of the company. Well, we also had a fan question query from Aaron Kearney, who says Robert Dunder mentions Robert Mifflin's wife and her husband, Jerry Trupiano, a South Jersey guy who was tall. Mm-hmm. My question is, was this a reference to Jerry Trupiano, the longtime Red Sox broadcaster? I thought it might be because so many of the cast
1: members and writers were Boston area folks. Well, I believe it to be true because Mike Schur, who wrote this episode, is a huge baseball fan. Yeah. And I 100% think that's true. I think that's a good catch. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah, he snuck in a, a baseball player in there. Well, as everyone is leaving the
0: conference room, Ryan tells Michael, this day was a wash. Michael needs to embrace the new technology as the way of the future. He really needs to get behind
1: this new way of doing things. And Michael's like, no, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong that the old way is the best way. I'm going to prove you wrong. We don't know what that's going to be. But Michael says that. And Jenna, there is a deleted scene. I have to tell you, there's another department that's very stressed out about this, because Ryan has a moment with the accountants where he shows them the new program they're going to use online for all of the accounting of Dunder Mifflin. And it's basically going to make them obsolete. Wow. So so people are freaking out about this, this new technology that Dunder Mifflin is going to be using.
0: Well, we're going to get more of Michael's reaction to all of this in the next episode. Mm -hmm. We end this
1: episode, though, with Angela and Dwight's dinner date. Yes. Well, lady, I have some location trivia. I know you love a good location story. I do. And I will tell you, Ivy Burke will be
0: very excited to hear what you have to say, because Ivy would like to know where you filmed the Dwight and Angela
1: dinner. We filmed it in the most beautiful neighborhood. It's called the Malibu Lake Mountain Club. It's a private community, so much so that there are no signs off the freeway for it. Wow. Yeah. It's like they don't want to be found. It's really, really beautiful. This neighborhood was created in 1924. It was just like a valley, and they made a lake, a man-made lake, and the members really wanted to keep it a secret. So they removed the highway signs that gave directions to the lake, hoping to hide it from tourists. In 1936, they built a clubhouse with a ballroom and a large patio, and it had a speakeasy poker room and a mural of the original members. And only members can use the lake and the swimming pool and the tennis court. So it's this little private community. Ronald Reagan was the honorary mayor, and technically, that's the first political office he ever held. Wow. Mhm. Now let me ask you a question.
0: Did you film at this location because this lake is going to feature prominently in the next episode?
1: Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so (laughs) we had this location for one day. Dwight and Angela filmed their dinner date in the lodge at Malibu Lake, their restaurant. And then we will see what happens to Michael and Dwight with the lake in the next episode. But that was all the same day. We filmed our scene at night. So, Jenna, I had a late call time. Oh. There was this huge moon. And after we did the scene, I walked out on this floating dock and just watched the moon for a minute. And it was just like, you know, one of those magical nights on set where you're like, this feels so cool because it's really a beautiful little area. And Steve Carell has made their official website. Ready for this? It says, just a few of the famous faces that have shot here. Charlie Chaplin, W.C. Fields, Diane Lane, Lloyd Bridges, Lucille Ball, Steve Carell, Betty Davis, Henry Fonda. It goes on and on. But Steve Carell made the list. I love that. I know, right? Really fun. But this scene between Rain and I, I just loved doing it. We took the scene apart because Dwight is hoping that it's one thing. Angela's trying for it to be a reconciliation. And then she just can't do it. Yeah. And they wanted me to be able to show that emotion in my face that I was trying And then I just couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past it. And it's got a couplet of dialogue that I love. It's when Angela says, I heard a joke today. And Dwight says, oh, that's funny. And Angela says, yes, it was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this scene is just
0: beautiful. It's beautiful for all the reasons you said. It's funny but then it breaks your heart because your performance, Angela, we really see your character's heart breaking in this moment. And it's just real. Like you aren't playing it for comedy, it's just real. And these are the moments of The Office that I'm so proud of as a television comedy that we took these moments to get really real.
1: Thanks, I Lady. Loved it. Thanks. I really enjoyed the storyline. I. I loved Dwight and Angela being together, and I loved when they were at odds. It was equally fun to play. Yeah, it's such a good dynamic. Well, you know, Jenna, one of the things that got me so tickled was that during this time, the Dwight-Angela relationship was compared by a TV journalist to Hot Lips Hoolihan and Frank from MASH. And that was a show <laughs> I grew up watching with my dad, and I just was so tickled by that. Oh, that's perfect. And that was... Dunder Mifflin Infinity Part 1. Yes. And I would like to say thank you to Joya Balfour for giving us the digital media inside info. And you can check out her website at joyabalfour.com for some fun stuff that they were doing at NBC.com.
0: Well, when we pick up this storyline, we're going to have some lovely gift baskets and a huge stunt, especially for our show. I was so impressed. I can't wait to talk about it. All right, you guys, have a great week.
1: We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our producer is Cody Fisher. Our sound engineer is Sam
0: Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE.
5: All right, all right, okay, I need you to imagine, just imagine with me, you've had eight kids. Yes, I said eight kids. And you are obviously taking care of them in the house and running a successful business helping other people with eight kids. That's insane. Didn't even think it was possible. Is it even possible? Can you have it all? These are the kinds of questions that I asked today's guest who also happens to have eight children, Lisa Canning. Now, whether you are a mom or a dad or soon to be, or maybe you're not a parent or don't even ever plan on being a parent, this is a master class on productivity, time management, and prioritization. And I highly recommend you listen through no matter who you are, because even I learned several things listening to Lisa here today. She's got the wisdom, and as she says, the juggle is real whether you're juggling kids, hobbies, friends, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The juggle is real. And she answers some very tough questions for me today and she answers them in a very beautiful way and this is definitely one to remember. So I'm I'm very thankful to have Lisa on the show today. You can find her at lisacanning.ca. She's also known as The Possibility Mom. Promise you're gonna learn some great stuff today. Hit that intro, let's go.
3: Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your
6: host, he thinks blue light is evil,
5: but only after 8 p.m., Pat Flynn. So I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today, and you can with Headspace. Headspace is a meditation practice, an app, an opportunity. I use it, it helps me daily. So Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. So check out, they have this thing called The Wake Up. It's a daily original content intended to inspire your day from the moment you wake up. They have some stuff for when you're gonna be lying down, when you're falling asleep. Whatever the situation might be, maybe you just need like an immediate pick-me-up, right? So Headspace has a three-minute what's called an SOS meditation for you. Maybe you want to do this with your kids, maybe you want to do it with your spouse, or you can just be by yourself like me in my office before I start my work, right? This is your approach to mindfulness and it can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, just, it's awesome. And you've probably heard of Headspace, and even if you haven't, you gotta check it out. It makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere, just through your app. 30 days of Headspace lowers stress by 32%. And just four sessions can reduce burnout by 14%. You can't argue with those numbers, and this is all clinically proven, by the way. So you deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. What's up y'all? Pat Flynn here. Thank you for joining me in session 452 of the Smart Passive Income podcast. I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too, whether that means helping people through your business or helping little ones that are running around your house. I think the truth is that we know that we we can't put 24 hours in the day into our kids and put 24 hours a day into our business and put 24 hours a day. We only have 24 hours. We all have the same 24 hours. It's what we do within those hours and how we manage our time that makes it worthwhile and successful, or a struggle and a juggle. I like that, the juggle is real, I'm gonna, that's Lisa's, not mine. Anyway, just so much great stuff in this episode. Lisa is such an amazing person, and I cannot wait to introduce her to you, so let's not wait any further. Here she is, Lisa Canning from lisacanning.ca. Lisa, welcome to the Smart Passive Income podcast. Thank you so much for being here today.
7: This is just the best thing ever because you have been in my earbuds since 2014. So to be here on the show is just such a thrill.
5: That's incredible, 2014. So what was was going on in your life around 2014 that you somehow randomly stumbled upon the Smart Passive Income podcast?
7: Yeah, I mean, you were at a Michael Hyatt conference. Yep. And you were speaking on the stage, and that conference changed the trajectory of my life, and that is how I came to know you and you know have been kind of following along your journey
5: ever since. That was at the platform conference. That's right. Oh man. So that was the first time I met Michael Hyatt in person, and that conference changed my life too because I saw him in the audience learning with all of us and I thought that was incredible. I' never seen like a CEO like participate like that, and the whole team just did all the work. And that's what inspired me to build a team. And I know you have people who work for you too. I want to dive into that as well. That particular presentation was one of my most embarrassing though. Oh. Because you might remember, I played the trumpet in the beginning and and like try to make it different. Well, I had like 120 slides and they only gave me 40 minutes. And I, I got to, I think, slide... 50 and we only had five minutes left and that that was my first big lesson of ooh, maybe I should like time this a little bit better but anyway <laughs> it worked out just fine and I'm so glad we were able to sort of meet each other in, in that way there. and so let's unpack your story a little bit. You are an amazing entrepreneur. you are a mom of eight, which is wow, we have two. How do you handle eight is my first question just how do how? how?
7: <laughs> you know, two honestly can feel like eight. And you might think it's strange that I'm going to say this, but honestly, I think it's easier to have eight than it is to have two.
5: Why? Why is that?
7: I think a lot happens when you become a parent. And especially if you saw a lot of success in your career before becoming a parent, it is such a huge shift in identity. And it's all of a sudden this incredibly huge learning curve where you are now thrust into a job that number one, you probably didn't get much skill training for. (laughs) Number two, you are not receiving hardly any positive affirmation, you know, when you think about it. And then number three, there really is no rule book. There are so many different ways that you can parent. There are so many different philosophies, what your mom did, what your mother-in-law did, what your sister's doing, what your friend's doing, what this group on Facebook is doing, whatever it is. So it can feel so challenging and like just a shock to your identity. And so to be honest, that's why I think it's harder to have two than it is to have eight, because what I now have is the experience I can keep people alive, Pat Flynn. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean?
5: You've proven this to yourself many times now.
7: (laughs) Yes. And that I can keep people alive as well as pursuing my personal goals and dreams, building a business and doing that all with excellence. But of course, I didn't always feel that way. It's taken me this many years and this many learning lessons and really has been the start of my career and my platform now in the current iteration that it is.
5: How old is your oldest child, if you don't mind me asking?
7: I'll give you all the ages. So my oldest son is John and he is 11. And then it just get ready. It's 11, 10, 8, 6, 5, 3, Two and then baby Colleen is ten months old, so it's like basically one of each number.
5: (laughs) You have almost a whole basketball court, yes, like both teams involved. In fact, so eleven years ago, you had John, your first child. Were you into business entrepreneurship, following your passions before John came in, and how how did John like what were those, Mm -hmm. and how did John rock your world?
7: So it's interesting. I had always had entrepreneurial. You know, spirit, a spirit about me. I remember my first business idea was when I was about maybe six or seven years old. And I realized that I could make these plastic string, I think it's called, like where you could take this plastic string and make it into a keychain, wrap it around a pen. And I remember I was allowed to go to the store with my allowance. And I just remember so clearly that I could buy the plastic string for 25 cents. Like I remember it so vividly, but I could sell a pen wrapped in the plastic string for 50 cents. And I just remember I've always been kind of, always minded in that way. Like, can I buy something for this and then sell it for this and bring value to others and do something that is fun and enjoyable for both me and them. So I've always been kind of like this. And I had a feeling that, even in motherhood, I would continue to pursue business or pursue something. But it was interesting. My personal story is that I had a foot planted very firmly in each camp. I wanted to be the best stay-at-home mom you could imagine. Like My, my achievement or my mindset around achievement, I absolutely transferred to being John's mom. So I was like, I'm going to make organic Play-Doh and I'm going to make everything from scratch. And like, of course, I'm going to breastfeed like as long as humanly. I just had all of these ideas around achievement and motherhood. And then, of course, I had all these ideas around building a business. At that time, I was a recent, I had graduated from school, from university. I studied fashion communications at Ryerson in Toronto, Canada. And I had all of these hopes and dreams to work in television I fell into TV completely by accident. A mom who had watched me speak at my high school was always like, You have the gift of gab. And I was like, What does that mean, Mrs. DeCastro? Like, like and she was like, You've got to be on TV. And at that time, I was like, People on TV are actors or like news anchors. Like, I don't understand what you mean, like make a job of TV. And so she introduced me to a casting agent who then You know, put me in front of these people. And I hosted a show on HGTV. I was the designer and host of a show called Marriage Under Construction back in the day, 2007. So I had my, like, one foot firmly planted in this sort of television, fashion, interior design, go, go, go kind of industry. My other foot firmly planted in wanting to be the best mom possible. And of course, those two things were became increasingly more and more challenging to coexist as I launched my interior design career. I worked with people like the property brothers. I did a lot of work both in front of the camera and behind the camera and at the exact same time as building my career i had I now have eight children in you know basically eleven years, so that's every other if you can do the math that's basically yeah. every other year I've had a baby and i everything came to a huge implosion for me, Pat one day in my minivan. And I tell this story right at the beginning of my book, The Possibility Mom, because it was truly just, it was just the worst. I I was hustling hard, building this TV career and an interior design business that was going really well. And I was hustling hard, trying to put dinner on the table, trying to be a loving and caring wife, trying to be a present mom. And I had put myself in this place where I had put so much of my self-worth in what I did for work that I convinced myself that just five days or so out of hospital with my fourth baby, I was delirious. I was exhausted. I had you know, a hospital bag beside me in the car. I had a purse full of interior design things beside me in the car. My minivan was covered in Cheerios and goldfish crackers and all this fast food garbage because I was just basically eating out of my car on the road, way in the back to a job site that was being drywalled. I was bringing my brand new newborn and I had done that because I was like, this is what success looks like. And I remember looking around my minivan at how dirty and how overwhelmed and how just like, I I was asking myself the question, how did I get here? And that's the day I realized that my priorities were as messy as my minivan. And that if I wanted my health, if I wanted my marriage, and if I wanted my relationships with my children to make it, that I had to make some serious changes. And so that was really the beginning of everything for me. And I became absolutely obsessed with the concept of time management, life management. What does it look like to raise a family well? What does that look like to run a business well? What does it look like to pursue your personal goals and dreams while being a great mom at the same time? And that is how I've come to do what I'm doing today.
5: I love it. You had mentioned your book. What was the name of the book one more time, just so people can? can
7: the Possibility mind. Mom How to Be a Great Mom and Pursue Your Dreams at the Same Time.
5: Awesome. I can't wait to, to unpack that here. I do want to go back to the minivan story. What a wonderful sort of recollection of just that moment. And I can, I, I have a minivan myself, 2012 Toyota Sienna. Woo. And I can imagine that. What was going through your head? Like, what feelings and emotions were you having mm-hmm. when, when that kind of hit you?
7: You know, I remember when I was packing up my baby that morning, just days out of hospital. My parents were there to help with the kids. My husband had taken time off work and everybody was supportive. They were like, if you feel like going, we'll support you. But they all also gave me this very like hesitant look like, Mm -hmm. are you sure you need to go? And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, this is fun. I promise. Like, this is just going to be fun to get out of the house for a little bit. It's going to be just honestly fun. Like, I promise I'm okay. But I wasn't okay. I was, I looked like success on the outside. I had this glossy exterior where, you know, my hair was always done. My lipstick was always freshly applied. My kids looked cute and were always like cutely dressed. But if you peeled back the curtain on my marriage, on how much I was showing up in my kids' lives, on my health, all of that was crumbling and barely hanging on. So I remember sitting in that minivan just being like, this can't be it. <laughs> like, I, it is not worth it to work this hard to build a business, but to feel this guilty, this pulled in multiple directions, this feeling of, of failure, it can't be it. And it's definitely not worth it. And that was, I think I had suppressed that for a while. I think I had said to myself, Look at all that you're able to provide financially for your family. Look at all the adventures and the trips you're able to go on. You know, I would get these fun opportunities for TV and um, the kids would come along with me and my husband. And and I, I just, I had let that been the, uh, the the leading force, if you will. Like the thing that suppressed or, or hid, like lipstick, like the, the thing that really hid how I was truly feeling. And that was just falling apart at the seams and feeling like an epic failure.
5: Where do you think this pressure comes from to have that sort of lifestyle? I know many people, even personally, who consider success exactly what you're describing, the adventures with the kids, plus doing this and that and this and that. And you look on the outside and you look at their Instagram and it's like, wow, you're, you've got it all together. And I, I imagine that many of those same people Maybe deep down, feel the same way. Why do you think we all feel pressured to have this sort of exterior that seems that way?
7: We're not taught otherwise. When you think about it, everything in life comes down to mindset and skill set. You can improve in your attitude or your outlook on any situation, and you can improve in your skill set. You know, if you're terrible at paying your taxes, you can take an online course to get better. If you don't know how to ballroom dance, you can, you know, take a, take a class. You can go to a dance class and take a class and improve in that skill. I think parenting in particular is like this forgotten nebulous (laughs) of like that, that you can actually learn how to be a present parent. You don't want to yell at your kids anymore. Guess what? You have a choice in that. You can learn skills in order to not yell, you don't want to resent your husband and have a marriage that is full of fighting and animosity. Guess what? There's probably some skills that you can work on individually. And there's probably some communication skills that you can learn when you think about it in at least the North American culture, we are hardwired for go to school, maybe go get another degree and then, you know, go and do whatever that degree will lead you to. Gone are the days of home economics. Gone are the days of mothers parenting in community and teaching each other how to do basic life skills. And so it's no wonder that we're at this place now in history where moms are exhausted and dads. I, I, I speak so specifically to moms because that's the group that I feel so called right, to. Right, but right. of course, like any parents in general, where we are so exhausted, where we're constantly asking this, the question of like, am I gonna make it through the day? Where this concept of hot mess motherhood is almost celebrated. And, and do not get me wrong, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, okay, least I'm glad you have got all this figured out and you're not a hot mess. I call myself a hot mess regularly. <laughs> but you can get out of hot mess motherhood. If you feel like your life is a hot mess, guess what? You don't need to stay there. It's your choice if you do. And so I think to come back to your original question, why is this so common or why do so many people maybe experience career success at the detriment of other areas in your life? It's because we have not been taught otherwise. You know, I do a lot of coaching and mastermind groups and it's all with this beautiful notion of what is wholeness. And, you know, my beautiful friend and mentor, January Donovan, who created the school called the Women's School, which is a, a program that I use to help women understand what it means to be whole. And what it is, is that we have to acknowledge that our lives are made up of multiple facets. And it is simply not sustainable. Or worth it? This is the true question I was asking in my minivan. Like this is the thing that I was lacking that day in my minivan. Only my career spoke of the wheel, so to speak. Only that one arena of my life was thriving. And it is just not worth it if all the other ones are failing. We have to have a more holistic, if I may, if I may be so bold to say, we have to have a more holistic approach to what success looks like. And I also believe that we have to grow in our skill because I believe it's a skill, Mm -hmm. our skill to dream. I think sometimes we can get into these ruts and they can be because of what we were culturally raised to believe. It could be because of what our friends tell us, what our teachers at school told us, what have you. We all come with all kinds of stories that inform, you know, who we are today and how we act. And what i see in the work i do with moms is that there's been this forgotten element oftentimes when you become a mom where you just give up on all your dreams and then you get to this point where maybe your kids go to school or maybe you know they leave the home for some for some women and you're like oh my gosh what do i do now mm-hmm. and i guess what i want to say which is what i hope the legacy of my work is is you don't have to wait doesn't matter how hot mess your life feels, doesn't matter if you have an infant, doesn't matter if you have grandkids, you get a say in the beautiful design that is your life.
5: In the minivan, when you had this moment and, and these emotions were washing over you, what changes were made after that? What did you do to get out of the rut and start taking control?
7: The very first thing I did was I created some boundaries. And it was really difficult for me to say these things because I had been hardwired that success looks like working over 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So for me to say, I'm going to be at my kid's pickup line at 3.30 p.m. without fail, my first boundary was three days a week. That was a huge... Huge, huge shift in my mindset and my behavior because it meant I had to say to clients, okay, we are not meeting past, you know, 2 for example. It meant that I had to go from what used to take me 16 hours <laughs> and like truncate that down to maybe six or eight hours. And it took some real like problem solving and learning of new time management skills. But that was the very first thing I did was create a firm boundary and that had an impact on the behaviors and the appointments that I put into my calendar. The second thing I did was I Googled anything I could find on time management and work-life balance. And that is how, of course, I stumbled upon the work of Michael Hyatt and how you and I got introduced. And that conference particularly, it was a, it was, I don't know if you remember this, but Stu McLaren gave this keynote and he quoted David O. McKay. I hope that's how you say his name right, but it was something to the effect of, No amount of worldly success can make up for failure in the home. And so post my minivan meltdown, I just kept looking for things like that. I just kept searching for the habits and the hacks and the understanding that you can pursue your dreams, but it doesn't have to come at the expense of the things that matter most to you.
5: How does one navigate this idea and transition from Eight hours a week is success to now some balance when you know that you're gonna be saying no to clients more, you know that you're not going to be doing what you had done for so long to make this change. How do, how do you navigate the guilt that happens on the other side? Because there, there's, there's probably, and there was, like you said, guilt, oh my gosh, I'm not being the mom I can be. But now it's like, oh, well now I'm not being the business person I can be. How do we balance that?
7: So this is the framework that I teach in my signature program, Conquer Your Calendar. And this has been years of trial and error and failing. And I had a lot of years of messy, like after that minivan meltdown where I would try things and then, you know, revert back to past habits. But I think it really comes down to three things. And the first thing is a very clear identification of your priorities. And so This has to do a little bit with thinking about your legacy. This has to do a little bit with really allowing yourself to dream and imagine the kind of mom you want to be, the kind of wife you want to be, the kind of business owner you want to be, and then working backwards from that dream to the tangible steps that will make that possible. And this leads me to the second part of my framework, which is that to keep your priorities in the order that you want them. There have to be activities in your calendar that will make that true. So let me give you an example. If I want to be remembered as a loving and present wife, I got to love my husband. Like I can't nag him every minute of the day. I can't always be annoyed with him about X, Y, Z. I've got to do things like tell him nice things, go on dates with him. Similarly, if I want to be remembered as a present and loving mom, I should probably have time blocks in my calendar where I'm just hanging out with them on the floor. You know, just one really practical example in my own life. Between the hours of 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., I have a no cell phone, no appointment, no work block. And I am on the floor, hanging out, going to baseball, like all those kinds of things. If I want to be a healthy person, if I want to be the kind of, you know, mom who is around to be able to chase my grandkids and all that kind of stuff, well, I better be working out. I better be eating well. Those all translate to appointments in our calendar. Pat Flynn, flat pin, if I may. (laughs) People ask me this all the time. How the heck do you get this much stuff done in your life? Eight kids, businesses, like speaking, traveling, all the things. And I'm like, I have just the same amount of number of hours in a day as you do. I don't say that exactly like that. But you know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. Like, we all have the same number of hours in the day. And it really comes down to an understanding of where do you yourself, only you, can show up, where only you uniquely can show up in that role, and what can be delegated, automated, deleted, all the rest. And so that comes to the third part of my framework, which is an understanding that you cannot do it all. I believe that a mom honestly can have it all. I really do. But she cannot do it all herself. Let me say that again for the people in the back. I believe a mom can have it all, but she cannot do it all herself. And so the third part of my framework really comes down to Understanding that um, how to delegate, what kinds of tasks to to delegate, making a almost a triage of what are activities that really only Lisa can do? What are activities that maybe Lisa is good at, but like, you know, kind of other people could do it as well. And then what are activities that truly anyone else can do? And so when we have this sense of that triage, we can start to get really strategic with, okay, that means that if I want to work only four hours a day, I have got to make sure that those are the things that truly only I can do that are going to move the needle forward in my business and everything else, you know, gets, gets pushed off to someone else. And now I I can hear the, I can hear the objections. (laughs) I can hear the objections. Well, you know, what happens when you run out of time? Well, what happens when everything is essential? And this is where we have to get very, you know, we got to, we got to, pull up our, pull up our pants, so to speak. Like we've got to really be able to take a hard look on our life and say, what is it do I want? Do I want this legacy that I'm dreaming of? Or do I want hot mess? And we have to be able to say, if this is where I want to go, it's going to mean some no's. But those no's, as we read in Greg McEwan's Essentialism, those no's are actually a big fat yes to something else. And as somebody who I still call myself a workaholic. I would still call myself absolutely obsessed with business, with achievement. I think the biggest difference in my life is the level of guilt. When I wrote my book, The Possibility Mom, I did you know, a series of interviews when the book launched. And I remember one of the interviews stands out so much in my mind because she asked me, how do you know you have achieved work-life balance? And it really took my breath away for a minute because I was like, that's a really important question. And I had never been asked that before, but what took my breath away, I guess, was how quickly the answer came to me. And this is what I said, when you do not feel guilt, regardless of whatever activity you are in. So you can be working, head down in your business, doing things like this, creating content, you know, recording your podcast. And you're not worried about, oh my gosh, my kids are missing me or I'm missing things that they're doing because you know that you have blocks in your calendar regularly Mm -hmm. where you have reserved that time for them. And so truly for me, that has been the best, I guess, like the transformation. If I'm able to say like, what did life before Minivan meltdown look like? Life before was full of guilt and full of exhaustion. And what does life look like now? It's a lot more free. And this freedom is available for anyone.
5: Thank you for that answer. I've never heard it put that way before. And it's great because it helps us imagine how we might feel when things are balanced in a sense. And I know there's no such thing as perfect 100% balance. It's 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 a balancing act, if you will. And that that idea of just not feeling guilty doing one thing versus the other, knowing that the other thing is going to be taken care of is is beautiful. Thank you for that answer. I'm I'm going to quote you on that, I'm sure, Lisa, in the future. When it comes to your relationship with your husband. I'd love to know with your goals, your business goals, family goals, communication with your husband, how does that happen? What do you do? What strategies do you have so that it's a group effort?
7: Mm -hmm. I think it's so important that we share our goals with our spouses. You know, I coach a lot of moms who express their resentment. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand why I need to take some time away from the kids to build my blog or build my podcast. He just doesn't understand. And I'm like, well, have you shared it with him? (laughs) Have you shared it with him? Why this is so important to you? And for me, this comes back to this concept of wholeness. We are meant to be complete people. And not all parents, some, some moms I know are, are, their, their wholeness is, you know, their, their blue flame or the, the thing that lights them up is very much in the home. It's very much in homemaking, in child rearing they feel fulfilled by the activities that are in motherhood. But there are a lot of parents who have passions, who have areas where they are meant to contribute that are meant to be shared for the benefit of the world, but the benefit of themselves. And I'm sure that everyone who's listening can relate to this, that you do something like you speak on a stage or you write a great blog post or you You know, coach a client or you, you know, make something for a friend and you are alive, like so alive that you can't, you know, calm down. We need that all the time. You know, now, okay, does it happen all the time? Of course not. But I mean, consistently, you need that part of yourself to be fed. So, where a partner is involved, we need to make sure that we communicate that dream. And it could just be as simple as, like, hey, hon, I just want to share something with you that's really been on my heart. And I'm so excited about it. Do you think we could take some time this evening to talk about it? It doesn't have to be this like big production or like a, you know, 140, you know, PowerPoint slide presentation. Like it can just be a very simple conversation, inviting your partner into your dream. So I think that's number one is that we have to share the dream. And then number two, especially where parents are concerned, we have to do this strategically. So, you know, in the beginning, when I was building my business, I had an infant, and I would, I would write blog posts at like 3 a.m. when I was nursing him. We didn't have that much disposable income to devote to babysitting or anything like that. So my business grew very organically during nap times and when my husband wasn't working. But we also have to do this strategically. We can't burn the candle completely at both ends. I have seen time and time again with the women that I coach, what happens when both parents are working and pursuing something without the understanding that it's going to pay a toll on the other end, right? Doesn't mean it's not possible. But again, like we were talking about earlier, it's like we kind of, in this culture where we're told to pursue our dreams, sometimes at all costs almost, like this just whole spirit of like, you can do it, rah, rah, rah. What I hope my book answers is the how. Like, there are things that need to be thought about. Like, who is getting dinner on the table? Who is going to pick up kids from school? Those conversations need to be had, and they need to be had strategically, when it comes to the pursuit of personal goals and dreams.
5: I know personally that when you don't get that support from somebody important to you, it can crush you. What happens if a conversation is had, and the other person, the other party's just not really feeling it? They don't offer that support. It's, they're they're not reacting like the way that you are about this idea. How do you compromise and still push forward and still have? pursuit of that dream if you aren't initially getting that support from the other?
7: In all circumstances, we can control our reaction. So that's the number number one thing I want to say is that you always have a choice and you can show up as a kind of person who is gracious, who is kind, who is generous. And then I would say, you do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean by that is obviously, I am you know don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want people calling Pat Flynn and being like, Lisa Canning broke up my marriage. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm saying you start to find the pockets of time where you can pursue. So, you know, when a baby is sleeping, you can begin researching, you know, the thing for your next product. When the house is quiet and the kids are at school in small pockets, you can start writing that book. I think the thing that people also fail to remember, and I feel I have to remind myself of this every single day, Pat, is that anything in life, when you think about it, building a multi six, seven, eight figure business, losing 50 pounds, you know, having an organized home is one action at a time. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I'm not going to make a million dollars. In 24 hours, unless there's some really freaky, you know what I mean? Like, but it's just not gonna happen. It's that first 100. And then the first 500. You know, I know we have a mutual friend, Ryan Levesque. He is, um, has been a business mentor of mine for the last couple of years. I've um, been in his world for a bit. And I was just on a virtual conference that he had. And it was so fascinating because there are, you know, you join these online courses, you join these inner circles and you start to look at other people and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be like them. You know, like they're, they're, they're reporting their earnings from, you know, fast cash these and it's all in the six figures. And I would sit there on these calls or in the Facebook group being like, this is never going to happen for me. My earnings are only a thousand dollars of promotion, you know, wow, wow, wow. But it was so fascinating. This last conference, Ryan shared from three years ago, results from some of these people's first, you know, Black Friday promotion or first quiz funnel or whatever it was. And they were all like 500, 1000, 2000, like attainable numbers. And I think we can forget this, that You don't eat an elephant in one sitting. I think that's the weirdest expression. It's in coaching uh, circles all the time as as an analogy, but it's just the truth. And so if your partner doesn't support you from the onset, I would just say, what can you control? What can you do in strategic moments? And how can you invite him or her into your shared mission along the way?
5: Yeah, I think another component of this is, Oftentimes that negative feedback or that negative response comes from a place of well, then i won 't be able to do this or then then this isn't going to happen anymore or something and I think being aware of why the person isn't acting negatively and asking and digging to find out why you might be able to t- determine and help ensure that well that's not going to change or you know this isn't going to change like you might think it is because sometimes we just overreact many times. And it's going to take a discussion, I think, and, and a very serious one at, at that. But these kinds of discussions are required and these sorts of higher type topics mean growth in the relationship and, and can hopefully compromise and things like that can, can come into play. So th- th- thank you for sharing that, Lisa. I'd love to know what your day is like, if, if I may ask. And I know every day may be different and, and things like that. But from the moment you wake up, I'd love to kind of get a sense of, of what life as Lisa is like.
7: So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the very unfiltered (laughs) version. My ideal would be to wake up at least an hour before my kids, but I'm in in a season of life where that has been increasingly interesting to navigate. So some days I hit it and some days I don't, but when I do hit the hour before, It is spent getting dressed. It is spent putting on a full face of makeup because, oh my word, the power of a full face of makeup. Just like even... That is what, honestly, during this whole quarantine experience, I just... The difference in my mood when I would get dressed, when I would put on makeup. So anyways, that happens. And then for me, it's reading the Bible and drinking my coffee and being quiet. So that's all happens before my kids get up. Then I've got about an hour and a half window, I would say, where, you know, we're doing the regular getting ready for school. So I've got eight kids, five of them are school age. So I'm getting the five school age kids out the door. And then I go into my morning work block. So I work about four hours ish a day. Two of those hours are very deep work related. And then I say ish, because I'm catching up on admin and stuff in the evenings as I can. But my first block is typically client focused. So that is when I am hosting a mastermind group, or that is when I'm coaching a mom one-on-one, or that's when I might be having a you know one-off coaching call or a discovery call, that kind of thing. So my mornings are typically client focused.
5: The other three then, kids are aware during that time?
7: With my husband. So right now oh. we are currently flip-flopping how we work. So then I emerge from the office full of energy because coaching is, is the thing for me that just like can, it's my gas tank. Like I can coach a mom and then I just feel like I'm on cloud nine. So then I emerge, I've got all this energy for the kids. I typically either he or I are preparing lunch. I'm a Catholic and I have the wonderful ability to walk to daily mass. And so oftentimes I'm taking three small kids for anybody else who takes small children to church. I just, (laughs) it's a dance. It's a whole other dance. So that is, um, that's usually my midday break. And then at 1 PM I'm back and I have currently a mother's helper. So she's a young girl in the neighborhood and she plays with my small kids while I do my second work block for the day. And that is typically mm, like, I would say content creation, a little bit of admin. It's usually the block where I do things like this. So marketing, I would say it's like marketing, content creation and admin, And then come three o'clock, my kids are walking in the door from school. And then I'm putting my phone away usually for the, the two hours between four and six. And every day is different when they're home. Like some days we have baseball, some days we are at the park, some days we might have, you know, friends over for dinner. We love to entertain. I am mildly obsessed with my Traeger grill. It's a smoker, like a wood pellet smoker. And oh my goodness, Oh my goodness. Like I, I, anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole other topic for a podcast. You can come and listen to my podcast about why I love Traeger grills. So we, we live in a very small town in Southwest Florida and we intentionally moved here. So I grew up in Toronto, Canada for my whole life. And just a year ago, we made this big move because we wanted a very quiet, slow pace of life. And so activities are all here in my teeny tiny town. We don't have that many. Baseball is really the only thing that we're involved in. Meals are cooked at home. I no longer have fast food garbage <laughs> all over my, my minivan. And and yeah, we we really like uh, and I love my slow existence here. It makes me so happy. And then um you know, 6 6:30 or so, like we were moving into um, bedtime and and all that kind of stuff and then 8 PM is wine and cheese time. So I, I, I am a big achiever. Like achiever is my second strength finder strength. I have a tendency to not celebrate anything. Like I'm kind of just like done next. Okay. Awesome. Done. Next. And I've had to train myself to literally celebrate achievements every day and actually celebrate them. So come 8 PM, it's like literally cheese board it's I, that's another obsession i have is making beautiful cheese boards i sometimes share them on my instagram at lisa canning if you're just as obsessed with charcuterie as i am and we drink the wine and then we you know some evenings i have mastermind groups that i run or like you know events i might host a webinar or that kind of a thing i do try to keep those really limited i have basically like 4 evenings a month that i allow myself to do sort of evening things and then And then that's it. And then I want to say that I'm in bed by 10 and it's this beautiful, languid um, evening routine, but I'll just be honest with you, it's not. (laughs) I I have the ideal evening routine and I would say that I hit it about 60% of the time. And that's something that I'm actively working towards.
5: Yeah. That's great. Thank you for bringing us into your life and letting us in on that. I'm curious, when we have a plan often, that plan can often be derailed by one kid, let alone potentially eight. How do you, when you have a plan for the day, whether it's client calls, work to do at home, whatever, something happens in the middle of that work time, how do you handle that moment? Is it a, like, don't, don't interrupt, nothing can come my way unless the house is on fire? Or is it, okay, let's listen and, and let's assess from there. I'd love to know how you handle those curveballs that are kids or just other things externally that aren't a part of the plan
7: this is what I think having eight children has really uniquely equipped me for the challenging dance it is to be an online entrepreneur. And I really, really believe that this is the most important skill to build in parenthood and in entrepreneurship. And that's resilience. I still struggle with this, but I used to have these really ideal rigid pictures of what anything in my life was going to look like. So for example, a blog post needs to look exactly like this with this kind of photo, a recording of any kind, whether that be YouTube or podcast, like it have to be like this quality and da, 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 da. And I just really came to understand that the more children that I had, you know, and I hear you say this all the time, actually, to be honest, I think I learned this from you. If I'm being really honest, is this whole concept of just ship it. Like, is it good enough? Is it minimum viable product? Is it just like, you know, is this good enough? And that was really difficult for me to learn in the beginning. And I still sometimes really struggle with it. But you, by building that muscle of this is good enough, by being okay when you're interrupted and not having it be the end of the world, by understanding that the things that maybe really bother you actually are only you are bothered by them you know like only you notice them these are really important things to remember and then the ability to pivot once that thing happens i honestly like i could, i i have this is my next book my next book are the crazy things that have happened when i've tried to record podcasts or i've tried to be live on television oh my gosh like the you know the pandemic has been so interesting i used to do a lot of broadcast tv segments where i'd go into a studio and, you know, present on a topic. Whereas now, you know, we have conferences going virtual, like, you know, you can now host anything basically from, you know, your living room or from your office. The number of stories I have of children like banging on the door or appearing in screen or what have you. And you simply need to just build that discipline and that behavior of it's all right. And be able to recover and pivot and move forward But the other thing I want to share that's very much related to resilience and for anyone else who struggles with perfectionism or delaying things because they're not good enough is this whole concept of self-forgiveness. I don't know how to just where to begin with this, but it's it's you know i would host a webinar and i would like mess up the format or i wouldn't know how to get my slides to share or you know whatever and i just would beat myself up about it i would sit there and be like you're the worst you're you're a fraud like who are you trying to build this online business you're never going to be like you know xyz and the faster we can get over that garbage <laughs> and that garbage i mean i'm now i'm 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 being flippant but i'm also being super sincere this inner struggle, this turmoil, these, these critical thoughts come from someplace in your story. Often, Mm -hmm. you know, it might be just wounds from childhood wounds from, you know, somebody important to you, but you can number one, uncover them and become aware of them. So you can become aware of why you're so critical or why you're hard on yourself in certain moments. And then you can learn to love yourself and learn this concept of self-forgiveness and just say, okay, Uh, you know, Ryan Levesque, I I mentioned him earlier. I don't know who he's quoting when he said this. I I think he's quoting something, somebody else, but this notion of you either get the result that you want or the lesson that you need. And I just think that's a beautiful thing to remember. And that imperfect action is so much better than no action at all. And that's it. And I, I also like to think sometimes, how would i want one of my kids to respond so if one of my kids for example like baseball baseball's a big thing in the canning family so if one of my kids like has a hard game or has a situation where they're you know they're frustrated we really try to build this culture and skill of self-forgiveness and it's i think it can be easy to to, to say like yes for our kids of course that's what i would want for them but then when we turn it back on ourselves it can be sometimes really difficult
5: lisa this theme of self-awareness, this theme of understanding you and where you want to go. And consciousness has come up many times here. And I just want to thank you for that reminder. Sometimes, especially as a parent, we can just fly on autopilot and we forget to internalize and talk to ourselves about how we're feeling sometimes. And I, and I love that that came up in the minivan. And then now here at the end with how your kids deal with baseball and and how we want to treat ourselves in the same way too and be that great example for them that's something that i resonate a lot with too april and i want to lead by example we don't tell we show and i think that's really key and so th- thank you lisa so much i want to talk to you for like a whole nother hour but we're at the end of our time here and i'm sure we'll uh, be able to connect again maybe in person one of these days but thank you so much for the inspiration for the wisdom your knowledge and the advice and strategies that you've offered One more time, Lisa, where can people go to find more of you?
7: You can visit my website, lisacanning.ca, which has all the information on my signature program, Conquer Your Calendar, as well as the coaching I do through the Women's School. And then my favorite place to hang out, I have to say is Instagram. So come on over for the party at Lisa Canning if you'd like to see a little bit of a glimpse in my life of raising eight kids and building my online business at the same time.
5: Incredible. Lisa, thank you so much. We appreciate you and we'll chat soon.
7: Yay!
5: All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lisa. Not just inspirational, but very practical as well. And obviously every person is different, every life is different, every set of kids is different, every set of circumstances is different. But hopefully you can take some inspiration from one or more components of this interview. And again, you can find Lisa at lisacanning.ca or of course, if you want the links and everything mentioned here in today's episode, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 452 smartpassiveincome.com slash session 452. Thank you so much for listening in. I appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And again, thank you. Thank you so, so much for all the amazing feedback and reviews coming in on Apple Podcast Reviews. I I literally get them in my inbox thanks to a cool tool at podkite.com. So I see them. No matter what country you're in, I see them. I appreciate you. That means the world to me. If you haven't done that yet, I would very, very forever be grateful for that. And the last thing I'd be grateful for is for you to take action because it's one thing to listen to these episodes. It's another thing to listen and take action because I know that you can do whatever it is that you're looking to do. You just may need some guidance. You just may need some inspiration. You just may some maybe need some practical tips and some starting points. And that's why I'm here. So hopefully we've gotten you started. Looking forward to seeing your results and maybe featuring you here on the podcast one day. Thanks so much. Take care. As always, I appreciate you. And I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out and Team Flynn for the win.
4: Thanks for
3: listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.
2: Love Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Kaylin Patterson, Midwest Muscle P for P-Real Talk, in your house, your earlobes, and in your ear drums. And this program is sponsored by P for P-Muscle, number one drug sponsorship foundation in all of the world. And if you, yes, you are looking for a vehicle, and a solid foundation to stand on and drive your goals like a mack truck through ice cream check us out at p4pmuscle.com and now let's chit chat with the banter i am karen patterson and des will be joining us soon Ray fletcher Carruthers of the other Carruthers, and we are made with p4p real talk and we're basically doing what will be considered a part two of what we talked about last week, uh, something that's been on my mind, and basically I needed to air it out because some of the things that we have going on are basically fear driven. And when anybody is stuck in fear or stuck in situations where they, they, simply can't control the situation. Sometimes they do the uh, the worst-case scenario, which is try to go back to something in the hopes of recreating a moment in time. Uh, Unfortunately, I have learned many times over that this doesn't work. It's very hard to sustain. It's very hard to do because all that was was at a moment in time when those things could be done. When you start to move ahead, things are, are changing rapidly. And we see that happening in this nation. Uh, basically, almost every month it's uh, uh, changing so fast that a lot of people can't keep up in addressing that change because fear and discomfort, which is, you know, understandable. But one of the things that we should be understanding is that, you know, life changes us, and we change in life, and we have to change as life is changing. So we don't we shouldn't hold on so tightly to things that are no longer viable in society. I mean, I, you look at, uh, you know, the, we can go back in the history books, and there's plenty of circumstances that people had to live or live under. And it was not something that was healthy or right. And so, you know, change had to happen. Well, now we have situations where sickness and disease are uh, running across the nation and and people are dying. And and a lot of people are, are truly and legitimately scared for their lives because, you know, change is something that's happening in a way that they're just not ready uh, to deal with. And because they're not ready to deal with it, sometimes they're not really ready to accept it either. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that this is happening. It doesn't change the fact that something has to be done. And something. it doesn't change the fact that something has to be done in the meantime. I mean, we seem to think that if we could just do this or we could just do that, we can get back to to something that no longer exists. And it, it's, uh, it's just not a healthy way to, to go about addressing change. It's not a healthy way to, to deal the day-to-day. And it's not a healthy way to interact with uh, your, your, your compatriots and basically people that share your life because you're not dealing with something, they're not dealing with something, and fear is basically running amok. And there's a lot of anger and confusion that that happens as a result. So we can't we can't keep thinking that if we get back to anything, that uh, somehow or some way things are going to be be righted or, or you know corrected. That that's not that's not really a, a way to go about addressing the problems and needs of today. In dealing with tomorrow, when you're basically saying back in the day, before whatever change has been forced upon us, is going to correct or you know help correct what's being done, we we're, we're 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 outdating ourselves and our thinking simply by trying to hold on to something that is outdated. And I'm not saying, you know, we the past doesn't teach us. The past should teach us a lot. And we can hold on to a lot if we simply address it in real-time thinking. And in real-time thinking, it's very necessary right now because what's going on is is people are pressing. and And, and it's amazing to me that we're pressing to go back to something that no longer is viable in today's, atmosphere, ideology, or thinking. We, we're we stressing about things that really, you know, it, it's almost to the point uh, where we're not being healthy with ourselves, with our mind, with our bodies, with our lives. And in, in doing so, we, we kind of, basically ensure that we're not helping others either. And it, it's quite stressful to see uh, all this happening, and all the mindsets and all these conspiracies there. We're still not dealing with, with us. We're still not dealing with where we are. We're still not dealing with what we need to do in an effort to basically either blame someone else uh, or go, a solution that can be done in a a very correct and soluble way and to basically hold on to something that doesn't address a solution at all. It's just basically pointing fingers. And all the while, we're still having a pandemic. We're still having uh, deaths by people we care about. We still have uh, many other things happening, and, and we're almost turning upon ourselves in the process of doing it. I'm looking at how, even in bodybuilding, you know, we're 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 stalling and forestalling with the understanding that somehow everything can go back to normal, but. Does does your mind forget about the people you've lost? Does, you know, do those lives come back after everything's been done? Or do we understand that, you know, change has occurred. Change is upon us. And we're either going to find a way to manage our way through it, or we're going to continue to try to hold on to an understanding that no longer exists. And... And and natural bodybuilding, I, I saw something at the like I said, the last show that I was uh, attended, and that was the Midwest States. And there were many things that were put in place, and had not the the promoter been so ahead in thinking, it could have been a really bad situation because you know no one knew what to expect. Everyone was you know, looking at what was going on and saying, you know, how can this be done? But with his forward and progressive thinking, he was able to take that situation that could have been incredibly negative and and just, you know, went with it. And granted, there was a a lot of fear, worry, and doubt that that went into the, the show. But by the time things were basically breaking down, the calm had been put enough in the atmosphere to where it was doable. I mean, there was a lot of questions going into this. But then you see everything that's happening that's addressing those fears, worries, and doubts that they didn't take over or control the atmosphere in in the venue. And that's special. That's very special. So I'm really hoping going forward, uh, moving forward, that, you know, bodybuilding doesn't have to keep having canceled shows or or something that takes away from the, the growth and the building of, of uh, natural bodybuilding. Because if we can find a way to progress in natural bodybuilding, we can find a way to progress in society as well. Because I think Everything is basically a precursor, a precursor to a solution when all you have is questions. If somebody finds a way to to cut a tone where we can address uh, the people, we can address the situation, we can address society. and all it has to be is something carved out to where it's, it's feasible and doable because a lot of times uh, one part of society and basically piggyback and address another part of society because even though it might seem like a different situation, they're quite connected in in, in many ways. And, you know, when, when people get together and brainstorm, it's not an accident that they're getting together to brainstorm because something needs to be done. And so if you can get everyone in a mindset that something has to happen, then you usually do have many things happen all at once because the people are getting together and say, well, you know, this could be a solution for that as well. And I don't think it's asking too much to, to, to see change for what it needs to be and then addressing it. It's, it's not really hard to open your mind when you have nothing else to do, but open your mind instead of, this constant, you know, blame game, and understanding that there's this conspiracy or that conspiracy. Your next door neighbor still needs help. Your your friends and family still need to be addressed as friends and family. They still need to be seen as human beings. And if we can do that, imagine the change that can happen on the job. Imagine the change that can happen, you know, in, in job building. I mean, people have lost their job. I mean, I've sadly had to help uh, gyms that we helped open, you know, help sell their stuff, and in, in an effort to recoup uh, some of these losses that they're suffering. I and mean, you know, it's it's a sad time, and, and we need to come up with some kind of solution because America's still going to be here after every business closed. You're still going to have Americans on this on this nation, planet Earth. And we need to start looking for ways that address them. And how do we help them? And a good way to do it is is to provide hope, to provide to provide some kind of stability, and some kind of following in a positive direction instead of all this negativity that we're currently seeing. I, I mean, I, there's people I personally know and grew up with, and. You know, because of all the fear and and worry and the doubt, they don't, they're not too neighborly anymore. They're not that that friend or or they don't have that closeness that brings about joy, that brings about happiness, that brings about peace uh, peace, that brings about patience, that brings about anything that would remotely resemble society it's just anger hate frustration worry and doubt and we we can't you can't keep thinking this is what is the the response for dealing with these issues we, we we're better than that we have to be better than that and and bodybuilding can play its part uh, natural bodybuilding and really, you know, set the tone for, you know, where we need to go. And I think it's a good way to go about it simply because there's so many positive people that are part of that. So, you know, if you can get people together in, in a mindset of getting things done and and really addressing uh, life and society, they do go hand in hand because people are, are, are naturally – going to be there to do what they need to do and when hope is has been provided and it's also part of the platform and foundation then it it, it brings about an energy that can change so much uh it can change you know it can change a town it can change you know the, the the people in the town it can change the thinking in the town to a more positive and, and progressive understanding of we can do this. And all we need is that, that, that one little thing that can, you know, start it all, oh, get the ball rolling. And if we can do that, I mean, you, you're going to have something special. And I really believe that we can make that climate of, of, of positivity, that make that, that energy that needs to come about, in such a way that everything starts to improve simply because we don't want any other option than improvement because we've actually had enough. We've had enough of of the tired. We've had enough of the fear. We've had enough of the worry. We've had enough of the doubt. We've had enough of the stress. We've had enough of all those negative institutions that have been taking and depriving this nation from all the energy that's necessary to bring true change about. So, you know, if we can do that, I I really believe, I really believe with my heart that we can make a difference that's sustainable in going forward. Because going back is not an option. We can't turn back the clock. I've, I've seen people that have wasted good years of their lives trying to get back to that high school feeling of it. That understanding that you know I had this or I had that, but it doesn't change anything going into the future, and it seems like they're okay with that because they're not shown a, a better option of what they can have in their lives today, you know, because they're too busy too busy wishing upon yesterday, and 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 they're hungering for it. Because they have that emptiness that's not being filled in the present because they're not looking into the future. So at what point do we grab hold of the future with the understanding that we can use the past tool to help us, but it's not going to to come back? The past is not going to be relived. I mean, uh, we have a better chance of dying than we have of, of living our past. So, you know, let's let's get that understanding and then possibly take root in an understanding of better. And if we can take a, an understanding of better, then we can do some amazing things. We can do some really amazing things. Uh, if we can be more understanding of everything that has to happen, improvement and I know we don't we don't like to be in uncomfortable positions I know there's plenty of people that don't Uh, there used to be a time when I would always uh, pause just a little bit too long because I was nervous about you know the change that was required because you you just don't know but when you understand that change is upon us it shouldn't be that devil it shouldn't be the enemy it should be an understanding of what's next because that's what we're dealing with we're dealing with what's next what's what's happening next how do we become a better tomorrow how do we become a strong nation even in times of stress disease uh, fear mongering uh, hatred because as much as you have people that are terrified of what's happening you have other people that aren't terrified at all they just realize this is another challenge in their lives and if you can if you can deal with the challenges if you can deal with the many challenges that come out it's a lot easier to accept and understand the different changes that have to be the different facets and going forward, and we we can't be worried to the point of not doing anything. Um, Courtney, are you there? I'm here. Okay, I'm. I was breaking down a little bit about you know the, the, how we have stalled in our thinking, and also you know some of the benefits of having. Uh, Positive people gather together And I know natural bodybuilding is Frequently doing that when we get Together at the different shows but it's also Happening Even when we're not on stage We're still looking for things that can be Implemented into society And one of the things that I've always enjoyed Is our ability to come together uh, At the shows. But when we get away from the shows, It's not like we, we quit contacting Each other it's quit staying in touch and with you doing – well, I, I, first of all, I'd like to say congratulations on you taking on, on and on promoting the show with your husband. And they yeah. giving given the an opportunity. But one of the things that I was sad to see when I was – you know, when the shows were being canceled is that it seemed like because of the fear and worries in society, we had almost taken it upon ourselves to hold on to them as well, instead of basically saying, you know, what can we do to to move this forward in spite of the pandemic, you know, in spite of these regulations? You know, how can we still find a way to manage all of this to keep it working and make it happen? So I know these are some of the questions you've been asked or will be asked uh, going forward. As far as, you know, how will you address actually being able to guarantee a show happening? So what are some, some of the dilemmas you've had to face? And what are some of the things that you're looking ahead of to make sure that the show in 2021 doesn't end up like many of the shows that happened that didn't happen in 2020?
8: Yeah. So the, you know, the biggest thing is being flexible, Um, being open-minded with location, time. Um, So we actually, based on where we want to hold the Wisconsin Warrior for 2021, um, we did have to change the date. Um, There's a lot of venues that are just packed right now because they have Mm -hmm. shifted everything from 2020 into their 2021 schedule. So there's they didn't a, have a lot career. of restrictions.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: So we, um, have moved, moved the order to July 10th. So that was one adjustment we've made. Um, the other okay. thing we're being very open-minded about is again, location. If, if things shut down in some counties, it doesn't always mean, um, that they're going to shut down in other counties. Um, so having backup options, um, within the vicinity of where we are originally planning to um, so mm-hmm. just being open-minded into, you know, taking on a different venue. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. Um, even um, host hotels, our original plan for host hotel, I don't think they're even open anymore. So um, making a few adjustments there, but still making sure we have everything put together the best we can for the athletes to enjoy their weekend. Um, We really want to make it um, as big of a weekend event, not just a day event, for everybody Mm -hmm. and their families to enjoy.
2: And that's not easy. I mean, there's a lot that's happening. There's a lot going on. And, you know, there's a lot of changes that, you know, haven't been, brought out or, or brought up to date because they're wanting to see what happens with this vaccine. So, I mean, there's a myriad of issues, but we do yeah. need that, that forward thinking to basically ensure that we don't stall or we don't quit because I mean, it, we've had enough of people that have given enough, you know, they've given up and, and, and sad to say that's what happened because they couldn't see an outlet or a way to make it happen but mm-hmm. i think if we get enough minds together on the understanding that this can happen this can be done because we we we've overcome so much in the past i can't see how suddenly we're we're a nation of people that can't get past the tough times they're going yep. to happen you, you see in every generation there's been a struggle and they found a way, and I, I, I refuse to be that generation that drops the ball on yeah. on that kind and, of progressive thinking. Go ahead.
8: And the gl- glorious thing about you know moving to July, you know it's beautiful here in Wisconsin in July. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. if we gotta put up a tent somewhere and you know make this thing happen, we will. So. See. It's, Definitely See? not out of the question. that If we need to make it an outdoor event, we absolutely will. We want to do everything we can to I keep, keep this going.
2: Yeah. Nice, Kurt. I mean, a nope. mosquito can't bite through that pan. No way. So, yeah. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> but that that's the kind of thinking that I'm talking about, and, that, and that's how, how set in stone we need to be. In order to get these things done, it's it's not a stretch to, to be pushed to your limit. I mean, like, you look at what we've done with our minds. You look at what we've had to use our minds to do to get our bodies to transform. You look at some of the things that we've struggled with that we've overcome. And now mm-hmm. you say that it can't happen with, you know, this current climate of, of strange issues and, and, and incidents. I, I I know we're we're a better nation than that, and I know we can come up with a way of getting this done. And and you know it's it shouldn't be hit or miss. That we you know like I I know when we had issues with the I don't know if you remember when we had the big floods, and they you know some of the roads were blocked, and we we didn't know if we could get to uh, some of the venues uh, in the southern states because uh, the flooding had basically redirected routes and one of the biggest things they had was making sure the emergency vehicles had, you know, first right. They had they had dibs yeah. on getting it done and 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 granted they should have. But there were also also alternate right, routes that some of the competitors had basically found and said, "Well, this road is open and and they're not going to be blocking any any emergency vehicles." So why not have the people come down that way? But because you know the, the thinking was it can't be done. No one had done that, other than the people who really wanted to get it done. So you know if we if someone has an idea, I know that someone has an idea that can be viable for much more for many more people than just uh, natural bodybuilding. But if natural body bodybuilding is the, the, the thinking that opens that door of opportunity, then so be it. Because I think, you know, we've got a lot of uh, first responders that have much more information that's not being shared because they're not being asked. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of times uh, promoters will ask for feedback from the competitors and how to have a better show. And yet it seems like we're not doing that with the first responders who are basically on the front lines of dealing with this every day. There's plenty of parameters that can be be addressed and, uh, you know, dealt with instead of, you know, just saying it can't happen. And I think Mm -hmm. with natural bodybuilding, that same door of opportunity is open to where we can address the needs of the people and addressing the needs of natural bodybuilding. I don't think that's a big stretch when when you're looking to create that avenue or that understanding or that I- ideology of improvement. Dez, are you there?
6: I am here. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm sorry I'm jumping in late. I was doing a little road hunting with my husband, but I'm just trying to catch up with the conversation. Sounds like it's pretty intense.
2: Well, I, I, I'm truly and and firmly un, with the understanding that there is some part of natural bodybuilding that can play a role in moving this nation forward. I think there's some form or some part of first responders that can move this nation forward. I, I feel like the doctors aren't really getting their say to move this nation forward. There's plenty of information out there, and if we could just – Get them all to come together, and you know we've had doctors in natural bodybuilding. You know we've had first responders in, in, in natural body. You, you know we've had nurses in natural bodybuilding. And and I think if we have to be the venue that opens all this dialogue up to get something created and moving forward, I think we are good uh, a good and viable option. I really do.
6: Okay, when, when you say. Take take that- that- Forward, what are we talking about exactly? And then I'll be on the same page.
2: Well, let Courtney say it and uh, then then I'll answer that.
8: I was just going to say with the natural bodybuilding and just health and wellness in general. I mean, being in the healthcare field myself, all all of the patients that have a better sound well being, you know, less underlying impairments, you know, low obesity complex, you have those that, you know, aren't on that diabetic spectrum. Everybody in better health is having minimal symptoms, minimal um, outbreaks with all Mm -hmm. of this. I mean, look at the Natural Olympia for an example. All of us athletes, we really were in tight quarters. We worked extended periods of time together. Um, Yes, we wore masks throughout the facilities, but, all this time on stage and backstage, in and out of, you know, spray tanning and whatnot, where you don't have a mask on, there was not one issue reported with outbreak of COVID. Mm
5: -hmm. You you look
8: at that, you know, people being in better health with eating right, being physically active, all of those things play a huge factor on are you going to be at risk or not.
6: Yes, I would agree wholeheartedly with that.
2: Okay, now can uh, I'm gonna speak about it because um, with what I'm saying is we we have all these fears and worries, and people are sharing that readily, and then we have all the conspiracy theories, and people are sharing those readily. But when it comes to a viable solution that's really taking root and really working in some areas, aren't being shared as readily. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. as natural athletes and knowing many people in, in, in the respective fields where it could make a difference, we're not basically letting them have their their say. I've I've, I've known plenty of people that were saying, you know, they had to get off of social media because there was just so many fabrications and and so many insane uh, ideas that don't really. Have any merit in in, in in being part of the solution, but it's out there and it's being shared and mm-hmm. and it's getting in the way of what really could make a difference and I know there's enough of us in the in in the sport where we can reach out to the people we need to reach out to and start getting some actual truths of solutions instead of basically holding on to an ideology of yesterday, this was better. Well, yesterday's not here anymore. We're, we're stuck in today and, and looking for tomorrow. And we'd better get our butts in gear to, uh, you know, to get this together because we're basically stuck in the mud. We're running we're running that, that uh, hamster wheel. And I, I've seen enough of it to where it's getting in the way of what we really need to do, and that's uh, improving society as a whole.
6: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I can see that. Uh
2: Yeah. I think we're losing that. Dad, do we lose
6: you? You No, not losing me. I'm just thinking about what it is that you're saying because what you're saying is much needed. I just don't know that society is ready for what it is that you're proposing because it's mm-hmm. easier to be where we are than to move ourselves beyond it. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, but I'm saying if we, we have enough people, if, even if we have to go underground, we can still make that change and then come up come yeah. above ground to, to mm-hmm. share it. Because, I mean, if, if if we have a society of people who are naysayers, then we don't need to talk to them, but progress can still happen without them. I mean, progress always happens without naysayers. They only challenge us to see how committed we are to to bringing about change. And and I get that that mm-hmm. that's what it is. Then then so be it. But I, I'm. It's getting to the point where I don't want the whole nation afraid because two or three are scared to move and mm-hmm. if, if 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 that's what's happening then why are they part of the conversation
6: well you know that's a good question mm-hmm. that is a good question because you know i it does get a little disheartening when you know what the solution can be but mm-hmm. um you know everybody's more focused on either the fear of the situation or the quick fix of the situation without getting to the heart of the situation, which right now what we're talking about is your health and improving your health from, you know, the inside out. And that's really what's going to take people to the next level and move beyond regardless of what's going on in the environment, because this is not the first Mm -hmm. time we've been in a situation such as this. We get down to the basics and get back to, you know, the innate function of how we were made to operate and give our bodies what it is that they need, then Courtney and what she was saying is exactly right. We will be healthier as a nation regardless of what comes about, and that really does need to be what the focus is. And so, um, you know, if I'm just recapping what you guys have been saying for the last half hour, that because natural bodybuilders tend to pay more attention to... you know, their health and what they're putting in their bodies and how they're treating them, then, yes, they definitely can be health warriors out there. And we know a lot of people as a, as a collective group. So I guess the question in my mind becomes how do you move that, how do you make that movement go forward and activate all of the potential health warriors that we are all connected to as part of natural bodybuilding? Legit it's answer. a difficult answer.
8: move because, like you said, yeah. you know, all of the the quick fix wants. You know, yep. that's, that's the biggest issue I see is that that quick fix. Well, it didn't work for me in, mm-hmm. a, in a week or two. Well, it's not. <laughs> you know, mentality needs to go away. And then that, that fear, you know, obviously with everything going on, but fear, fear of failure. You know, that's mm-hmm. another big part of it. So... Tony, Tony's family coming in the door
2: here. <laughs> yeah, and, and okay, the the answer it, it it extended. It's going to take time, but the understanding that each time we don't succeed, we're not failing. And no, we're not. I think, yeah, because the one thing that's happening in every time, and and I, this is why I say natural bodybuilding is a good uh, foundational tool to bring it about because basically you have people that have overcome themselves. We Mm -hmm. were the person who got in the way enough to screw ourselves over, and we had to find a way to deal with ourselves and progress beyond that and then learn to help others in that progression. So the mindset of what we've already been doing is already in place. Everything, all the mental tools that we need
5: have already
2: been done, and we were our own guinea pig. So when we wanted to give up, there was somebody there. When we didn't have to give up, we could push further. All the things that make us the the, the better people in in our particular groups or, or niches or cliques are there because we found a way. Now, you get – 10, you get 20, you get 40 or 50 minds that think in that way, then you don't have to deal with the negativity of the naysayer, and that strengthens a group, that, that emboldens, uh, okay. you know, progressive thinking. That keeps you. you on the path of moving forward, because most of the time, things start to fall apart when you have the wrong people. In the wrong position at the wrong time Of progression They basically have that fear They have that worry, they have that doubt And they're speaking up When they should be quiet Because they still want to be part Of that authoritative position They might have had prior to that thing But, you know I I learned in, uh, in the military There's a lot of people That are in a position they shouldn't be And they're stalling the progress they're, they're, they're inhibiting the growth And it's not that they want to do that They just don't want to lose Whatever position they're in But if you just Listen to what they're saying There's nothing positive about it And they get in the way Of everywhere we need to be If you're blocking every access route, Then you're not helping at all And I, I think that's what's getting Everyone so mad And so frustrated as the people that we would consider in power, or consider in authority, or consider trusted advisors, have no intent to get beyond where they are because it's going to remove them from the place they've been sitting. And you know, sad to say, that's where where we are right now. But we, we like I said, if we have to go underground and basically bypass them in that way, I'm okay with that because we can't. Stay where we are because it's obviously not successful.
6: Okay, so so now what? What do we do?
2: Well, we've we've been talking about. Uh, Courtney has been sharing some of the things she's uh, got planned for the future of her show and how to basically find new avenues and ways to address all the care and concerns of the show. So. If she could reiterate that, we can start there and then see how that basically deals with regular everyday life.
8: Yeah, so with the uh, Wisconsin Warrior, um, again, the date and the venue, um, the biggest issue with everything being canceled in 2020, all those events were pushed out into 2021 and basically making the schedule very limited on what was available. Um, Uh So being flexible with that date was our first um, adjustment that we made and, you know, having some backup options. So we want to make sure that we have um, a a venue in other counties in case we need to adjust because it seems like county to county, um, depending on case rates, um, their restrictions are going to be. A little bit more than others so having that flexibility where we can be within the same vicinity but maybe in a different county um and even as much of as like i said it's beautiful here in july so if we need to rent a big party tent and get things brought in and have an outdoor event i mean we are ready to make those moves if we need to um same with you know host hotels um We're not sure that the host hotel we originally planned is even open anymore. Um, The contacts with them have been some to nothing, so uh, we're trying to make sure we have all all sorts of backup options so that we have a good weekend event that everybody can enjoy with their family and friends. So, all right.
6: You know, it will
2: Oh, yes. And we have the will. We really have the will. And I I, I know, I mean, like, we push ourselves to so many levels of change. And by the time we get on stage, even we're surprised with how well it went. And I know that mindset can transform even into dealing with the worst-case scenarios because we're constantly being pushed to that limit anyway. We're willing to go there. I, I remember when Brian Doris was talking about how he, he quit going there and had to go there. And I was like, you know, so I get it. I get it. But if you have to have somebody that has to go to that level, isn't it nice to have people that have already been to that level and, and still willing to push themselves even further because they know their success at the end of the day. And if that's the thinking, you know, someone's going to come up with an idea. I mean, like I, I, you've been backstage many times, Des, and you remember when it seemed like when everything was about to fall apart and go to pieces, there was one person that said, Hey, why don't we try this? And boom, it saved the whole show. And nobody really knew just how close to being ruined that it was because you just didn't accept the fact that the show was going to be ruined at all. So, you know, if this is what what it takes to basically transform something that needs transforming, I mean, let's be honest, it's uh, the mindset of let's get back to this and let's get back to that. It, it, it's just killing us. And, and, and if that's the, the narrative, that's the, the, the verbiage, that's the ideology, then we got to get some different people speaking out. And I, I think natural bodybuilding is a good option uh, to take that forefront if we have to. What do you think of that?
6: Well, hey, like we've always said in the past, we've been encouraging people to show up, turn out, show up, support, and they still have to do that. That aspect has not changed. There you go. That aspect has not changed at all. And so I guess step one, people, turn up, show up, speak up, and support support, support what you love and whatever Even you think is out to wear there. A mask. Yeah. Even if you have to wear a mask. And I am not a fan of wearing masks, but I guess if that's not what it thing. takes, no, not a thing. fan whatsoever. You, have you just got to get creative. Here.
8: And wear the mesh,
4: the
6: meshy blingy ones. <laughs> I don't think, I don't even think that, that <laughs> that's beside the point. I'm, uh, it's about, it's about principle. I've got some, exactly. uh, fun, I know. uh, I know, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, you can get creative. You can bling out your mask just to match your suit, and it's all good. I got it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, if you were a warrior for natural bodybuilding and health before, that hasn't changed. you got to be so even more right now. Um, and, you know, regardless of where you're coming from in natural bodybuilding, we can all agree on that. Because let's face it, natural bodybuilding is not for everyone, and it's still not even as well known as it could be, should be. So if it's already on your radar just keep it going. Just keep it going from whatever perspective you're coming from. Mhm. So I don't know. We'll see. With every state being different, though, and all the protocols being different, it's, it, I mean, it'll be a challenge because there's not just one plan. There's not, you know, one size fits all plan for how promoters can address what it is they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I think that above all is one of the biggest challenges. I mean, it's all um, the same fight, yeah, but not everybody. Some people are fighting with two hands tied behind their back versus just one, depending on mm-hmm. what their state allows and will mandate. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so they're ever
8: changing too. That's that's the issue: is you have to be ready to adjust and duck and dive at any time.
4: Yep.
8: It it's unfortunate that things are blindsiding a lot of people when when those changes mm-hmm. happen. But I mean just like in our training, if if something doesn't go the way we had planned, we adjust, right? And
4: Yeah. Who expects to get a
2: with flu? Mm-hmm. Yep. so you know, Ooh, write
6: your you. write your governor. Write your local legislators. Speak up, voice out. Why is it important? I mean, you've got got gym owners out there now trying to band together and talk about the health and wellness as an essential well-being and gyms being a part essential to well-being, sorry, and gyms being critical to that. And if people need a goal to keep going to the gym, well, then natural bodybuilding can also be essential to that because what a great goal to have than to get up there, Press yourself, see if you can go farther than what your mind thinks, and, you know, do something you've never done before, bust out. But as Kaylin was saying, you've got to let people know. And I don't think enough of us are talking to our, our state representatives in all the way up to the governor to really voice how important, you know, giving people venues and opportunities to support good health are outside of masks, gloves, sanitizers in the hospitals. I mean, there's there's so much more they could be doing to promote good health. And I do agree that natural bodybuilding can be critical to that, but we're just not organized. (laughs) We're not even organized from organization to organization to really spur on natural bodybuilding, unfortunately. Um, So we would really need a catalyst to pull it all together.
2: Wisconsin kind
6: of Warrior. <laughs> yeah.
2: You betcha, baby. Warrior. That sounds like Tony.
8: <laughs> What's up, big man? Sounds like Desi? How What's up, doing, buddy?
6: Wait, wait, hey. What's up? You know, I have to say, though, I haven't heard that name in a while. You know, the only people that really call me Desi are the people I grew up with, like my family and people in high school. I don't think I've heard that term in many years <laughs> from uh, someone like outside of that group. Forever. Well, there you go. See, yeah. so it works. So it works. So anyway, I don't know. I yeah. I feel like I've just jumped in and just stirred up the whole ship. But uh, you guys carry on here. So so anyway, <laughs> where are we going from here, Kaylin?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'd still like to hear about because you know we're we're still looking into the future, and there, Tony and and, and Courtney are, are preparing for a show that's going to be dealing with a lot of the issues in the future. And, Dad, you brought up something that that, that I hadn't addressed, and that's basically county to county, state to state. Many things are different. Uh, So, Courtney, what are some of the things that your state faces and your county faces, especially when you're looking for different locations? And, Tony, maybe you can add to it, especially since you do a lot of traveling and have seen many variations of the regulations that we're speaking about.
4: Yeah,
3: so just from uh, just from traveling around and stuff, uh, Wisconsin is is kind of interesting because uh, they've sort of locked down portions of the state. Yeah, you know Madison is uh, you know Madison is uh, fairly locked down as far as things go. Lots of masks everywhere inside that kind of stuff. Eau Claire County, where we're going to
8: be holding the,
3: the Wisconsin Warrior Show, um, they're they're
8: they've been fairly restrictive with how many people are allowed in venue spaces restaurants etc um same with madison so that's that's going to be our biggest obstacle is if they put a number restriction on things um because the pablo center they are very strict to the t with with those regulations so they will absolutely not allow us to even hold the event if there are number restrictions um but just ten minutes up the road in a different county is a different story.
3: Yeah. Much less restrictive, oh, wow. more open. Yeah, it's it's really strange once you get into northern Wisconsin, so uh you kinda get a little bit of everything.
2: <laughs> like a, you, a, a box it. Of
6: <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it, yeah.
3: it's quite a long ways off. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's next week where we know what it's going to be. I think, you know, March, once we see March, April, May, wow, I think we'll,
8: idea. yeah, we'll
3: know exactly what's going to happen. So, um,
8: especially with the vaccination stuff starting to roll yeah. out. You know, a lot of a lot of the tie downs I think are going to be loosened. So, yes. And our our county rates, like they've been really monitoring um, the percentage of increase and decrease, and everything has really been trending down. So, I'm not I'm not too concerned with what 2021 brings. I think we'll be I think we'll be good for it to go.
2: Well, right. you figure that the, the COVID is 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 an adult, so pretty much go where it wants. Then, okay. yeah, I was yeah. Gonna, I think we'll, we'll
3: we'll be ready either way. But
6: yep, for the best,
3: <laughs> plan for the worst,
6: and there you have it. So I say you just gotta get out there and market market those uh, million dollar glutes off. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And pump it up,
2: pump it up. Oh. This
4: woman.
6: <laughs> I was, well, to, I was to... <laughs> All I'm gonna say is Courtney, if you haven't insured those glutes yet, along with the rest of your physique, you should because that's your moneymaker right there. It has value. So let's get a policy out in. on that. <laughs> get policy out on that. At least a mil's worth. So if something happens, you're covered. <laughs>
2: Literally You
6: know Physicians Yeah Physicians get like Their hands insured You know Leg models Get their legs insured Why not yep. Why not and I say look into this. My them. bum
8: That's right <laughs>
6: Your bum
4: <laughs>
8: Love it
2: Well Before we <laughs> uh, End the show uh, Please uh, Give The new Date and time a location about the upcoming show. And I'm sure we've got a lot of uh, questions because I think the one biggest thing, and, it, and it's, it's sad to say, but it's a telltale of, of what we're currently dealing as we will see. I think that's what everybody says when they hear it, because of so many cancellations, we'll see what we'll see, but give that information. And we, we don't want to uh, miss that out, especially since we got uh big bony Tony. Coming on, on on at such a late time, and we want to hear from him as well.
8: Yes. So, the, the Wisconsin Warrior being a show, uh, PMBA qualifier, still a Natty Revolution event. So, you'll be able to find all of your registration information to get um, signed up for that show on nattyrevolution.com. Um, we are holding the events right now. It's set for July 10th, 2021. Uh, that will be at Pablo Center in downtown Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, still solidifying everything else with Host Hotel yet, so that's still to be determined. And um, we are in the works of mailing uh, out all the awards. We do plan on having... A warrior helmet for several of the overall winners, um, as well as we would love to throw in um, all the overalls winning and embroidered weight belts with their name and division on it. Um, wow. big we want to throw in. Um, lots of big sponsors gonna be helping out with some full size um supplement tubs and um, just yeah lots of stuff in the works right now so
3: mm, that's our- really
8: yeah it's it's yeah, been I'm interesting bit,
3: right? we 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 yeah. started we started this, this whole thing and and the supporters just started really pouring out you now. and uh that's really heartwarming to us because it's it, you know this is a new venture not not so much the organization but kind of a uh new thing to promote or manage a show you know so
6: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely
3: support. awesome yeah.
6: definitely definitely and that's i mean that's exciting and it it i mean we've been saying 2021 is probably going to be a banner year for natural bodybuilding so this is just uh you know one more indicator that it's going to be shaping up to be a good thing so that is awesome um we've only got a couple minutes left here and we definitely got to give enough time for kaylin to give his snickerdoodle doodle shout out but before we do that courtney i have uh mark south and uh Tenneka sending their love to you all the way from australia uh, so they wanted guys. to say hello Congratulations Hi. to you and Tony both on your uh on your new show. So that will be exciting. And uh, and yeah. So, so I guess guys, last word on tonight guys, you told us what, when and where. So let's let's get the hype going. Let's get people pumped up.
2: I am. am I I know. Pumped? But <laughs> <laughs>
6: Courtney and Tony are supposed to be hyping it up over there. Come on, you gotta okay. practice your hype game. Here's your chance. Here's your chance. Not just where, but get people hyped up on why they need to be there.
8: We we couldn't be more thankful for all of the help and guidance we've been getting um, along the way. But it's, the venue is incredible. It's right on the river. There's a park um, right there and a walkway. Um, we're actually going to even get um, one of our good friends to, to get some food float tickets for everybody so that everybody will be able to oh, wow. enjoy a river float. Um, the Sunday after usually mid July is just gorgeous here. So there's just so many things in the works. We want really want to make it a weekend event for everybody, um, and their families to enjoy.
3: Yeah. The, uh, the Eau Claire, the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area in, in Wisconsin here is, is just probably one of the most family friendly, uh, places to come visit. And, uh, you know, even if even if you're just coming to compete, it's still one of the most beautiful places on earth. So.
8: And there's an ice cream shop right
6: there on the corner. Hey, uh. Uh-uh, right uh-uh. to-
8: no. Stop it. <laughs>
2: uh-uh.
6: Okay, ice cream. But if it were donuts, he'd be saying, "Oh yeah." No, I'd oh, be we- saying, Yay. "Old flair." Ice. That's what I'd
2: be saying.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Eat it. So Mark also said a float needs beer and uh several chairs so everyone can just camp out on it. <laughs> yeah, it,
8: it is a floatilla and they do provide coolers and you can put whatever beverages in those coolers you your little
6: heart desires. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, you heard it here. A million and one reasons why you should be there. In addition to the sheer experience that I know it's going to be a great one, Natty Revolution has the best history with providing just phenomenal shows and experience for its athletes. So if that's not enough to encourage you, I don't know what else is besides this. Sticker doodle shout out, Kaylin.
2: Well, I know, oh, Claire has to have a snickerdoodle donut.
8: <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Courtney and Tony, thanks so much for being on the show and for uh, putting up with me jumping in and kind of hijacking the direction, but we got back on track. Wisconsin Warrior <laughs> folks, go check it out at Natty Revolution. Put it on your calendars. So, on behalf of the space Everybody that tied to Wisconsin Warrior, the boys at P4P Muscle, Kaylin and myself. Your body is a temple, folks. So let's keep building it.